Hey there, listeners. It's Tim here. This episode was recorded remotely as Jack and Matt were both recovering from COVID at the time. And unfortunately, uh, I also had some problems with my microphone. So the audio quality might not be quite the high standard that we normally like to deliver to you. Hopefully, this doesn't uh, impinge on your enjoyment of the episode too much. Uh, and so with that apology out of the way, let's just get on with the show. everybody and welcome to season 11 of sequelizers i am your host as always jack chambers ward and joining me also as always it's matthew stogden you'll be pleased to know you can keep your sequel as the sequelizers were kind enough to provide the public with a good pitch yeah nicely done nicely done <laughs> there was not a lot uh, to draw from in that fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> ain't that the truth and speaking of people with the heart of a dragon it's Tim Maytum. I should think you'd welcome death. You know, the last of your kind. All your friends dead. Sequelized wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff, you two, for the quotes. Very much appreciate that. Well, dear listeners, you may already be able to tell. Hopefully you can't tell too much. But we are recording remotely at the moment. Because Matt and I have had covid Tim's moved house and didn't have internet for a bit, so it was all a bit chaotic and horrible. You can probably yeah. still hear the COVID in my voice. I'm still a bit croaky. And I'm Matt, are you feeling a bit blocked up and croaky still? Um, I'm improved, but I have uh, the most frustrating tickle in my throat. I really want to cough really badly. <laughs> What's new? So uh, pol- apologies in advance, listeners. If, it, if we do sound a bit different, if there is a bit more echo or whatever, we are recording from our various spare rooms and bedrooms and things. So. Uh, yeah, a lot of people po- don't notice though. I know, yeah. A lot of people, when we did that before and we went back into another lockdown or whatever it was and we'd, we'd gone back in person, we are like, oh, I didn't even notice the difference. But I notice yeah. the difference when I'm editing. Obviously, the like the dynamics between the three of us being in the same room and the body language and all that kind of stuff, conversation yeah. flows a lot more laterally in person, I feel. And we obviously have the little system of like holding our hand up and all that kind of stuff to make sure we're not interrupting each other, which is so important when we're recording remotely. So yeah, just as a heads up, everybody, this and probably the next couple of episodes, fingers crossed when we get them uh, squeezed in, will be remote and then we'll be back to being normal recordings and stuff. Hopefully by the time we get around to the movie commentary for the final episode of the season, for the season finale, we're doing the commentary and hopefully we'll do the finale in person as well is the plan so far. So yeah, for now, yeah. we're remote because of COVID and stuff, but we will be back in person and back at full strength soon, fingers crossed. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're actually here to talk about a film from the year 2000, the year of our Lord, the, the beginning of this millennia. We're going to talk about Dragonheart, a new beginning. And low be to me to understand that not only is there a Dragonheart sequel, but many, many Dragonheart sequels <laughs> that I found out a couple of years ago when a, a bunch of other Dragonheart movies came out. And I was like, what the hell is... Wait, is that thing from the Sean Connery thing? Oh my god. I, I vaguely remember that from the night. But before if, we get into if, all of that stuff... If, if number of movies is an indicator of success, 
<laughs> These movies are more popular than Thor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And The Land Before Time is the greatest franchise ever made. Yes. <laughs> and, is, and is also on the list. <laughs> but before we get to talking about Dragonheart and New Beginning, fixing a Dragonheart New Beginning, because the wonderful Mr. Stogden over there has got a pitch about some some dragons, possibly in the early 2000s. We don't know. We always go in blind. There's no dragons in my pitch. He <laughs> was the last one. <laughs> to be fair, I thought the exact same thing. You're, <laughs> you're the last of your kind, except these six other ones that keep cropping up in other spin-offs and sequels and stuff. I am the last one. Oh, well, apart from more of these movies. Apart then. from my cousin over there and that egg and that other thing. And the, oh, and this is a prequel, so that doesn't count. It's like, 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 anyway, before we get into Dragonheart talk, let's give a lovely little shout out and a thanks to the fantastic people over at patreon.com slash sequelizers because you make this show possible. You make this remote recording possible. Otherwise, we would not have had the equipment to do the remote recording. Thankfully, we have all been able to get our own microphones, get our own little interfaces and be able to record this. And that is all thanks to you and your support over at Patreon. And we couldn't be more appreciative. It really, really makes the difference for us. Makes this show possible. Makes the main seasons and the interseasons and all that kind of stuff possible. And as we said, we've got big plans coming up. We're gonna be we're gonna be expanding some things, building out some new things, creating some new live streams and things. Big plans coming up in 2023. And it's all thanks to your support as listeners and your support as patrons as well. If you go to Patreon, you can get early access to the episodes, you can get ad-free access, you get exclusive merch, you get discounts on merch, you get all the bonus content. I mentioned the movie commentary a couple of minutes ago. That is exclusive to our £10 tier or higher. You get all the outtakes, which were some fucking stupid quizzes, as they often are. <laughs> it's kind of turned into like the quiz hour at this point. We just pick up weird BuzzFeed quizzes and silly puzzles and games and stuff. It's a lot of fun. It's silly bollocks that we end up doing on the outtakes. And we've even played like card games and things like that. We played the Mean Girls board game from Big Potato Games many, many moons ago. And we did the very Mean memorably. Girls. Yeah. Um, when Matt was very offensive to me and my people. <laughs> it, it was a... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no excuse. I thought I was being hilarious and edgy. It turns out I was just being a piece of shit. I mean, that, that sums up a lot of comedians right there, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel very bad about it. Yeah. But there we go. I was young and I needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> you were young and naive all of four or five months ago or whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, if you go to the £10 tier or higher, you get the bonus content. The rest of the tiers, you get early access, you get ad-free access, all that kind of stuff. If you go up to the £30 tier or higher, you can become an executive producer like these fine folks have done. I'm going to let you up now. And if you insist, we can pursue this fracas to its final stupidity. Josh van der Sluis. Once you swore your sword and service were mine, to call when I had need of you, to ask what I would of you. Canis Rufus. If you win, you'll lose a trade. If I win, I wait around for the next sword slinger thirsting to carve a reputation out of my hide. Philip Morgan. You will never win until Einan's evil is destroyed. And to do that, you must destroy me. Hyper Dude Man. I don't want to kill you. I never did. And I don't want you to kill me. Marcus Lindstrom. I'm tired of lurking in holes and skulking in darkness. James McDowell. Fight back, Dragon Slayer. Defend yourself. Stuart Main. 
And you'll kill me for sport? And when there are no more dragons to slay? How will you make a living, knight? And David Selinger. Oh, thank you very much. It's been stuck down there for months. Can you get your buttocks off my tongue? Thank you, executive producers. You, like I said, make this show possible, basically. You are incredibly supportive. We very much appreciate your support. You can be uh, a pain in the ass in the Discord sometimes. Some of you. <laughs> you know who you are. But you, they also get little avatars. You'll, you'll notice on the Discord, you'll probably recognize some of the EPs straight away because they have avatars, very much like our own little sequelizers avatars, drawn by the one and only John Scarrett. You can get that as well if you go to the executive producer tier. If you go up to the highest of the tiers, which is the £50 tier, you can become a VIP like these fine folks have done. Jonathan Firth Clark. Well, I'm sorry about your head, though. But I thought you were one of them. Josh Miles. Personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. And Xenos. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Thank you for your support, VIPs. You picked some stinkers this this uh, this season, but uh, we've already heard potential picks for this season and. Future scenes. We're already planning season 12, as I've said in the last couple of episodes. We're already discussing with VIPs and some of the potentially new VIPs as well. Since we're expanding the slots, there's a lot coming up. There's a lot of crap for us to fix. A lot of bad sequels for us to fix in the upcoming season. And actually, it might not be sequels after all in season 12. But we've got the season finale to worry about. We've got in-season to worry about. All that kind of stuff coming up in the next week. So thank you, executive producers. Thank you, VIPs. Thank you, everyone on patreon.com slash sequelizers for supporting us. And we hope you enjoy all the bonus content, the t-shirts which are being printed as we speak by our wonderful printing people over at Vino Sangre. They will be with you shortly if you are waiting on a Patreon-exclusive t-shirt. With that out of the way, should we dive into nondescript medieval Britain, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> and then talk about some dragons, gentlemen? Or should we dive back into the year of our Lord, 1996? Yeah, if you like. Um, I'll jump in. You were there, I think, in the medieval times. I was there at the beginning <laughs> and the end. Matthew um, knows yeah, so the old code. I, I do, and it's hideously racist. Um, <laughs> So basically, I saw Dragonheart in the cinema. I very much enjoyed it uh, as a, I think, like 11-year-old or some shit. Uh, 12-year-old, maybe. And um, then we had it on video. And it's one of the things my brother liked to watch a lot. So it was on in the house fairly frequently. I remember being a teenager, uh, late teen, and the sequel coming out. And I saw it because I was curious. Because I enjoyed the first one. Um, and it was also the same year, if not very close to... Um, the Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out. Wasn't it just? Jeremy Irons. Uh, all of those things were shit. And just the worst. So, uh, and then, weirdly enough, uh, I don't remember how I knew about it. I saw a trailer for the fourth one. and said, what do you mean a fourth one? <laughs> um, and then I, I, I didn't realize how they'd snuck out like these straight to, to DVD things. So, of course, I saw them out to see what they were like. Uh, not good, is the answer. And yet... Much better than the second one is, mm. is the honest uh, answer. They actually are like, oh, you know what? It's made for TV crap, but fair play. And there's always at least one 
uh, notable actor, shall we say? Like, oh shit, and you. It's really weird, here. isn't it? They really set the precedent with Sean Connery in the first one, and then well, on the second one, yes. and then the rest of the franchise is like, oh look, it's Patrick Stewart. Oh look, it's all these famous like voice actors and stuff, like actual yep Hollywood actors doing voices and stuff. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, I guess that's for like, all. Oh, your and you from the went. Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I I I I think the um the first one is so very nineties in that we have CGI now we can make uh, you know CGI characters. Um, it was beaten out by a year, uh, by Casper because in nineteen ninety five Casper oh, wow. I believe was one of the first films to have a fully CGI character mm. um in a sort of lead role, and obviously Draco. Uh, as we'll get to being a year later, like actually, you know what? This is another one. They had, they had more and more of them appearing over time. Anyway, um, so it's 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 a little. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, much of the same the same possible way like short circuit, whereby there's a bit of an audience bisection between people. Like, I don't know what this film is, and they're like, "Oh, I remember the thing. I am the last one," and oh, <laughs> all that bollocks. Um, and there's a lot of Americans here in Britain, um, or medieval, where the fuck ever, and. Uh, just being a, a a sort of like I remember that, and that's where that sort of affinity ends, effectively. I mean that makes sense. Yeah, it's a weird thing because I very much was introduced to this through. Say it with me, folks. Not the Simpsons. Yeah, it's not the Simpsons. That was <laughs> oh. it was video games instead. What? Oh, yeah. So there is a Game Boy game called Dragon Heart. And it is like a first-person like adventure game. You're going through the forest and stuff, and you're oh. you're playing as Bowen, and you're going around fighting various dragons and encountering characters that don't, doesn't make any sense for the timeline of the film. But who cares? <laughs> but I played that game. I had a Game Boy when I was young, and bear in mind, I would have been like six or seven at this point. It, it might have been a couple of years later. So I might have been like eight or nine, so like ninety-eight, ninety-nine. But yeah, I played the hell out of that game when I was younger. Had no idea it was anything to do with a film or anything like that. And then I think mm. I saw the film on TV shortly afterwards. So I played the game, like, you know, it's only like a handful of levels or whatever it is. It's pretty short. And then suddenly I was like, huh, I did a film for the video game. That's weird. What a, what a weird coincidence. <laughs> Having no idea what the hell was going on. And yeah, re really enjoyed the video game and thought the film was fine. I, I didn't love it as a kid. It was it wasn't one of my big like you know fantasy touchstones as a kid. Like I was very much into like reading The Hobbit and stuff at the time. So I was in a big like getting into fantasy for the first time really and understanding what dragons and medieval fantasy and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I didn't really have any context for who Sean Connery was. So there was no like oh cool it's Sean Connery for me. It was like that's a voice of a dragon. I guess I don't know. I don't know any different. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know well, him as Bond or anything like that. So <laughs> you have to remember that at the time we were very much starved for fantasy content. You had like mm. Legend and Excalibur, and they weren't really for you. Yeah. Um, and then you had some obviously some Disney stuff like Black Cauldron, and it's like and yeah, I did, I did love Black Cauldron so you, as a kid. Yeah, so you took whatever you could get, and then of course by the time li literally five years after this movie, The Lord of the Rings comes out, and and for a lot of people, Harry Potter comes out as well at the same time. And it just changes everything. Yeah. Everything shifts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think Dragonheart in a way feels more influenced by stuff like uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Definitely, yeah. Than it does yep. By any fantasy 100%. stuff, uh, right down to the uh, American actor not bothering with an English accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Quaid. 
Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's it was a weird introduction for me, and up until fairly recently, I assumed this franchise just died a death and nobody talked about it ever again. <laughs> and then, as, as Matt, you mentioned earlier, oh no, there's like four or five extra sequels and prequels and all this kind of bullshit, including one that came yes. out two fucking years ago in 2020, which melts yeah. my brain. Um, and, and briefly, to kind of shout out, there's another video game, because some of you might have heard me like, oh, introduced through video games, and thought I might be talking about the PlayStation game. No. Yes. Uh, it's famously one of the worst games ever made. It's fucking <laughs> awful. It sold incredibly badly, and basically like almost put a claim like into bad financial times. Uh, not that a claim lasted much longer anyway. But yeah, famously terrible, like side-scrolly, just jab with a sword, and that's basically all you can do as Bowen... Right, really shit yeah. jumping, no animation kind of stuff. And for whatever <laughs> reason, the Game Boy game is completely different and like a first-person adventure thing where you're going through forests and fighting dragons. And I think there is some side-scrolly stuff in the Game Boy game, but it's like weirdly detailed for a game. It, it, bear in mind, Game Boy is just black and white, and it but it was mm-hmm. all like dot matrix style. So like it was Bowen's face with the shading all like filled in properly, and and Draco's face all filled in and looking really good relatively. And yeah, I remember looking at it and be like, oh, Dragonheart. Yeah, we'll do Dragonheart on the sequel. It's cool. I went and looked up a Dragonheart video game. I was like, this isn't what I played. What the <laughs> fuck is this? And yeah, it's apparently infamous. Uh, Dragonheart Fire and Steel is Ooh. apparently infamous for being one of the worst like tie-in video games ever made. And mm. that's saying something, because tie-in movie video games, as we've discussed on the show before, are usually fucking terrible. So... Mm. Yeah. And it's it's right from that period when everything got a full-blown, like, tie-in video game. Uh, we've kind of moved on to now that you'll, you'll often get stuff that will get, like, oh, it's got, like, an app. You know, it's got, like, a stupid yeah. match three game. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 cheaper... or you're in Fortnite. Yes, yeah, Everything's yeah. Because those are cheaper to make or, or whatever. But, um, yeah. Well, it comes that... down to the, to the time, because... Back in like the early like eight bit, thirty two bit sort of era, mm-hmm. then sixteen bit, obviously the nineties and the eighties, you could bash these things out quickly. Whereas now, the lead time for a triple A game or something of sizable note, it, it takes too long. Yeah, it's, it's, it's and as you say, it's more expensive than it's worth with the thing coming out. Like, well, why would I bother? So you don't see them very often. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I had a very similar experience to Matt in that I saw this in the cinema. Uh, I would have been ten when it came out, and um was yeah well dragons lovely great uh and i remember <laughs> enjoying it uh i didn't have it on vhs or anything like that so it wasn't something that i rewatched and saw subsequently and i think i was vaguely aware that more had come out i think probably in the last few years was like oh wow they're still making dragon heart films um <laughs> but had certainly not seen any of the sequels until uh a few weeks ago uh, when I watched this one, and was like, "Hmm, interesting." <laughs> oh, look, it's uh, it's the older brother from Malcolm in the Middle, right? When Francis <laughs> from Malcolm in the Middle shows up, I was like, "Hold on a minute, what is he?" Because <laughs> I, I believe, um, because I went down a rabbit hole of Scientology not too long ago. Don't ask. Um, he's a diehard Scientologist and a real like bit of a nutter, and yes. I, well, I his was brother, I, his brother who was in the seven that seventy show is famously a piece of shit. Yes, and uh, it was a weird thing for me where I was like, "Hold on a minute, 
is that that is the guy from Malcolm Middle. How weird. And is that oh wait a minute, that's the same guy. And I literally just looked up like him the other day because of this whole Scientology thing. And yeah, turns out like the whole Masterson family are a bunch of Scientology nutters. And is Danny Masterson is the brother, yeah. his younger brother, who is yeah, a piece of garbage. And yeah, they're all a bit nuts and weird. And some people have like escaped Scientology and like been disowned by the family and all this kind of stuff. And it was such a weird thing for me because I'd literally looked that up like two days before, before watching this for this episode. And I was like, oh, I was just, I was just staring at your face <laughs> and reading about interviews about you being a fucking weirdo. So that's interesting. I mean, it's so in line. We mentioned the Dungeons and Dragons film that came out around this period. It's so because that starred the guy who had played Jimmy Olsen in the first season of uh, <laughs> yeah. The New Adventures of Superman, yeah, aka yep. Lois and Clark, before getting replaced with someone else in the second season, I believe. I think probably because he went off to be try and be in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and it's like, it's so of that level of, of just like, mm, yes, okay, we're going to get the, the fourth cast member from this tv show and you will be our lead actor weird so mm -hmm. weird <laughs> and it's just this like something you touched on earlier matt like the fact that this franchise went from you know pretty pretty well reasonably well received i gotta have a looked up rotten tomatoes we'll get into that later on in the show as we always do but like reasonably well received in the 90s it's a very 90s film but like it was nominated for like visual effects at the academy awards and stuff like that it it won a few awards for like kids choice bollocks and all that kind of stuff like it was reasonably well received and this sequel we're talking about a new beginning from 2000 is just the dirt worst just the absolute <laughs> no budget bullshit fucking sequel and then as you mentioned earlier matt the third fourth fifth and probably seventh movies whatever we're up to by the time <laughs> this episode comes out are suddenly have budget again and i'm like oh okay Suddenly there's it? there's actors and people give a shit and like there's actually interesting things going well, reasonably interesting things going on. It's a fascinating franchise in a way, because you have this this film comes out in nineteen ninety six, like you say, pretty well received. I think it made money, you know, and it had it, it had did, yeah. some decent names in it and, and you know, it was never gonna like blow up the box office, but it you know, it did well enough. Enough to justify, okay, we'll do a director video sequel you know kids like it we can put together something cheap you know etc etc cgi is getting cheaper uh and mm. we'll just avoid showing the dragon as much as possible um and if it had died then that would make complete sense <laughs> and yet 15 years after the second one they're so like weird. you know what we need to bring back dragon heart and then make three more of them that's so <laughs> strange I can draw you a straight line. Um, uh -huh. So basically, you have a lot of people crying out for fantasy as a demographic people want. And then uh, there are multiple false starts that go nowhere. Then you get to the 2000s and the things that were trying to succeed failed and therefore were quite toxic because the Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter made everything big. And then it became like, we need young adult fiction. We need to be mm. having these stories about young people going to adventures and being like, I'm the special boy or whatever it is. Uh, and you'd have all these things grab it, which then does to Hunger Games stuff. Now, there are two very important changes. And you think, eh, I don't know if they're related, but they most definitely are. Uh, the first is 
how visual effects change and how easy it is on a computer to make very impressive visual effects. Uh, and by about 2013, 14, you start to see web series and people uh, coming about doing, uh, including myself and things like that, doing things whereby it's um, impressive visual quality effects on a computer. It's like, oh my God, this is infinitely better than it was. And it's actually quite cheap and feasible to do, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Then there are two other things that come out around about 2011. Mm. Um, one is Skyrim. And it's, it's again, a weird tangent link, but it, 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 dragons became this big thing for like, well, five, six, shit, dragons are cool. And video game people are like, yeah, this is a great thing. It's one of the most important games. And it's not just, a, you know, it, it was actually a, a melt, a, 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 not a melting pot, but a um, meeting point of a really good video game from a really big franchise that happened to push the whole dragon thing because the PS3 and the Xbox 360 could could um, deal with those visuals. And we've so recently just gone past the 11-year anniversary of Skyrim, mm. which blows my That's mind. so weird. And yeah. it's still coming out on smart fridges and yep. yeah. you, know, you, can, you can play it on your ham radio now. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's literally GTA coming like out on PlayStation Plus, like the end yes th this month i think or next month i think it is it's yeah Tuesday, Com coming yeah. out soon for weird 11 years later <laughs> exactly so like, you haven't played this I, I played it three times now anyway so there's that and then the most important thing happens and where the thing that really ticks over the whole the public is hungry for this there's a there's a gap we can capitalize on here 2011 again game of thrones comes out yeah that changes everything yeah um and then people then start scrabbling around for do we have any properties we can use for this it's like We've got Dragonheart. I think, mm. and you can tell someone's fought to get this working. Like, we can make it work. Oh, can we? Okay, is it worth bringing back? Blah blah blah. You get to about 2012, 2013. Let's put it in production. 2014 filming. 2015 it comes out. So it's it's the sort of straight line of like, mm. oh, yeah. And we it, we can't do this. It's toxic to. It's the only thing we've got. Fuck it. Let's go. Mm. Oh, it will make us some money. Some fucker will buy it. It's got the word dragon in it. Let's go. Yeah, and it's so clearly that thing of like kids who've been watching game of thrones who shouldn't be watching game of thrones or who are clamoring to watch game of thrones and their parents are like no you can't watch that it's got you know tits and beheading in it uh, and then you know this shows up on your streaming service and you go oh look this look it's got dragons in it. you know it's we've got game of thrones at home i know you beat me to the joke this i have game of thrones when you've got game of thrones at home dragonheart yep. mm -hmm. game of thrones at home yeah yep. good lord yeah, it's it's a weird thing to go to have consumed so much. This is gonna sound weird. Dragon-based media over the last decade <laughs> to then go back to this mm. like, like sixteen years after it came out and be like, oh yeah, there was a weird like cuddly fun dragon moment there before we went all serious with things like Skyrim and Game of Thrones, like mm. you said, Matt, being that kind of cultural kind of turning point where like, oh no, dragons can be big and cool and scary, and we literally just finished season one of house of the dragon recently where there are big scary dragons and without spoiling things you see big scary dragons and it's called house of the dragon spoiler alert like and to have that focus on the targaryens and their dragon side of things they clearly know dragons are cool and there are there have been moments in house of the dragon and we've seen a bunch of them in game of thrones already but like oh that is a really cool shot they're like flying above the clouds or whatever like oh, that is a that is really well built that's really well done and then you see Draco fall into a very shallow pond, I guess. <laughs> like, Dive deeper. I can't. It's Remember, too shallow. That was Oscar worthy at the time. That's the <laughs> right. key thing. That's I, it, right? I yeah, was exactly. impressed as a kid. Yeah. 
And it's not yeah. terrible because we've talked about this so much with the early 2000s CGI being unbearable and people relying on it too much. And Draco's not that not that bad. Not that bad. <laughs> I think this comes also from a fascinating period and it's kind of very much, to my mind, like the tail end of, of this kind of period. Although maybe not, I don't know, maybe like... It, I think it would pivot off into young adult at this point. But... The fact that with the original Dragonheart, you have, it's not a kid protagonist. It's a yeah. grown, grown-ass grown Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, the dragon in it is this weird midway point between, uh, you know, your kind of realistic Game of Thrones dragons and your something like How to Train Your Dragon, where it's very cartoony, where he's like, well, they've tried to make it look real but also like friendly yeah and it's 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 a very strange midpoint between the two that kind of doesn't work but kind of does and you can tell it's influenced by stuff like you know uh because obviously this was like three years after Jurassic Park as well which was obviously going to have been a huge influence on this in just in terms of like oh, okay, we're going to use some practical effects and we're going to have some CGI kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I feel like in the time since then, it's been very divergent where you either get these kind of like cute, friendly dragons in stuff that's definitely for kids mm. and it and has, you know, often like child protagonists and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, I forged this mystical bond with this dragon and it's so friendly. Or you have like adult stuff where it's like no dragons are terrifying and that's what they should be and they should but they should you know oh we've thought through the biology of them and you know mm. fucking it's rain of fire where it's like ah oh, yes they spray a thing that ignites like napalm and also you'll never actually see the dragons um <laughs> we can't afford to show you the actual dragons but welcome to dragon world yeah <laughs> our, our rain of fire fucking hell i'm a big rain of fire defender i, I know you are you're mad it's <laughs> mediocre at best um shall we dive into some synopses for Dragonheart and Dragonheart: a new beginning we will not be doing the whole franchise dear listeners we wouldn't force <laughs> that up on you uh because uh, uh, yeah uh, there would be a painful i wrote painful the story well, you know five different dragon films that barely connect to each other. Well, that's what I've done, so sit down. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't, don't worry. No, thank God. But yeah, Matthew, do you want to take it away with some synopses and we'll uh, yes, discuss more dragon antics as we go through? <laughs> so this is a thing whereby I haven't actually re-watched these films uh, since childhood. I thought my memories are good enough. But I, would write, I was writing that down the, the stuff and the, the events. fascinating. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to, I've seen it enough. But it was more importantly, it was me like, oh, hang on. I was writing down the names. I know Einan. I remember that one. I was remembering the king's name and stuff. I'm like, how do you pronounce this? So I'm just going to pronounce them how I remember pronouncing them. I remember wrong. We'll, we'll, see. we'll correct you. Um, it's fine. Thank you. Thank you. So, Dragonheart, 1996. In medieval England. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Um, king Frayne. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tasks yeah. Sir Bowen to instruct his son, Prince Einan, on the ways of the old code. You will hear a lot of the old code. Yeah. Chivalry sounds boring. And you know, holding a door open for a lady in the nineties, um, but it's it's chivalric knight uh, nonsense and the idea of like you know valor and honor, etc. But they call it the old code, and they say it a lot. But during an uprising, the king is killed and the prince injured. The queen, Ashlyn, Asa? yeah, 
Ashley. It's Ashlyn. Yeah. Ashlyn. Yeah. Good. I, I figured it was because the Celt in me is like, that's pronounced one way and one way, yeah. isn't we, <laughs> We're kind of, kind of Celtic Irish here because eh, medieval times, <laughs> I guess. It it's be- it's because up. it's the whole like, the king is this and his ooh, mysterious wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Celts. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she takes a dying son to a dragon who donates part of his heart on the understanding that the new king will be fair and just. But Ainan is the opposite and has the leader of the uprising blinded. Believing the dragon's heart has corrupted Ainan, Bowen uh, vows to kill every last dragon. Mm. We have Ainan grows up from uh, a kind of uh, tween with yep. terrible hair to David Thewlis with terrible hair. Uh, <gasps> that haircut slash wig is Wurzel Gummidge levels. <laughs> and David Thewlis, who has never looked young. He's also doing a voice like you would expect him to be very kind of like Sher- or Sheriff of Nottingham, you know, Alan Rickman, this kind of like, oh, he's a noble. He's going to be, you know, try and have this like kind of cut glass accent. But instead, he sounds like the one of the Beatles from Walk Hard. Uh, he, <laughs> he sounds like I just because it... David Thewlis is British. Yeah, yeah. One of the only people in this film is British. Yeah. I'm just I kept expecting him to say like, um, you know, I'm being impish and delightful, uh, or something like that. <laughs> uh, he's it's such a weird choice. Yeah, his his. So David Thewlis, for those who do or don't know, as a British actor, he he played. Uh, Ares in um, Wonder in, Woman in the the Wonder Woman film. Mm. Um, he is from Lancashire. He's from yeah. Blackpool. He's from up north. Mm. He is a northerner, and he does his northern accent. Yes, uh, it just sounds a bit out of place. And, and he's more known like like another example of recent fantasy stuff is he's Remus Lupin in Harry Potter as well. He is. Like, yes. yes, yes, exactly. And that is not a northern accent. That is Duelist doing a voice and poshing himself up essentially a little bit. Mm. And the yeah. same when he's, I can't remember his character who's not Ares, but is secretly a, like the commander or the general, whatever the fuck his name is, mm. um, in Wonder Woman. But he typically does a lot of the kind of well-spoken British accents rather than his native Lancashire or up north. Yeah. And then suddenly this, and I'm granted, fucking Dennis Quaid is not putting in any effort whatsoever oh, no. as Bowen, which we'll get to in a sec, but... Yeah. yeah. Here's, here's a, a line from the film. Um, Ingenious, Felton, only you could keep such a good brain under such a bad hat. It's like... I mean, that's, that's the, the script, mate. That's the script. <laughs> the sh- oh, that's what he is. He's also the shame wizard in fucking um, Big Mouth, and he sounds exactly yes. like that. Yeah, maybe that's the inspiration. Maybe that's it. But yeah, it is very much the fact that you compared it to uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves earlier. Like, this is so just a bunch of non-British people doing British accents and then also British people doing bad British accents to the Mm. point where it seems like it's parody. And you're like, are they taking this film seriously? Because like we talked about with the design of Draco, like he's kind Mm. of cartoonish at times and does... Like I said, gets his head stuck in the mud and is just his little butt just wiggling with his with his well, claws out and this, stuff. And then it's very again... serious, like, oh, we must restore the heart of a dragon and all this kind of stuff. It's like, okay. Hmm. Anyway. It was a time when you would just have a lot of American actors because it was that would bring in the money. British actors weren't as much in favor. It's like we almost like a, we have to get one. So yeah, like Jason Isaacs, for example, is in the movie doing a really strange accent like this. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, what the fuck is this? I didn't realize um, J- Jason Isaacs was. That was him for a second, and I was like, 
who's this motherfucker? Where is the? Oh my god, that's Jason <laughs> yeah. Isaac, another Harry Potter alum as oh, well. Harry Potter person, of yeah. And it was more about breaking. So yeah, I remember around the same time, if not this year, the year later, you had Sean Connery in First Night playing King Arthur, and Richard Gere was Lancelot, and it's like, yeah. what? Because that that just seemed normal back then. You yeah. of course you'd have an American actor doing these things. Anyway, let us continue with the synopsis. Please do, Matthew. Twelve years later. We are reintroduced to the adult Einan, who has grown to a spiteful, cruel, and northern uh, <laughs> oppressive tyrant. That—that that is the other thing. The kid does not have a northern accent. Correct. No, no. Finally, releasing the blinded leader of the uprising years ago by killing him. Yep. I was like, ah, oh, what a wanker. Kara, uh, his daughter. Um, again, this is uh, played by uh, Dina Myers. Uh, Dina Myers, sorry. Who at the time would go on to be in um starship, starship, starship troopers, troopers and yeah. Saw, et cetera, yeah. The, the aforementioned fixed sequel that we've done before starship troopers mm-hmm. exactly. and yeah they uh playing an well, argentinian character in starship troopers because starship <laughs> troopers makes no sense um yeah she's that, in that like that makes a bit more sense because of the nazis i guess that uh, yeah yeah that's fair they're all basically nazis um yeah. she's also in like star trek nemesis and um yes. i knew her from the the Birds of Prey series from like twenty years ago as well. Oh, she's oh, yeah, she's yeah, Batgirl yeah. in that. And I, I like, think she was in like nine oh two one oh around this period as well. Or something uh, like that. Something she was so yes, deep. yeah. Nine oh two one oh was earlier yeah. career stuff. Yeah, yeah, like a few mm. years, few years earlier. So Kara, uh, his daughter, she vows revenge. Um, we also then segue to Sir Bowen has become a mighty dragon slayer, attracts the attention of a monk, Brother Gilbert. Um, a- again actually employing a northerner again this time pete postlethwaite um bloody love pete he, postlethwaite he's brilliant. he's he's great in this he knows what exactly he, the kind of film he's in gilbert is by far my favorite character in this film yeah he feels yep. like he's straight out of a knight's tale and i love every <laughs> second of it. that is very very astute yeah anyway so he swears fealty and follows the knight around documenting his exploits no sir great knight i will tell of the tale blah, 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 blah. uh separately Kara attempts to assassinate Ainan, which makes the king conclude that he should seduce and marry the spirited woman. Um, mm-hmm. The aging Queen Ashlyn uh, cannot bear to turn on her son, but helps Kara escape the castle. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Bowen tracks a dragon to a cave, but the battle ends in a stalemate. We are now finally introduced to this dragon. As this dragon is the last dragon left... Do, do you want to say that never, again, I n- Matthew? Uh, oh, am I too fast? No, no, no. Just emphasize the point. He's the last dragon. He is the last. No more sequels. He yeah. is the last dragon. Confirmed. It's a valid point. I apologize. As this dragon is the last dragon left, let's take a moment here. Um, <laughs> he is the last one. It's in all the marketing. There is no more dragon. It doesn't matter how he knows that because he hasn't. He's looked. Um, he's and there are no more dragons. He's done. No he's, done he's done a quick uh, ask. Yeah. ask Jeeves. I guess. In There's no series. eggs. He's <laughs> plopped out on the back somewhere. Done. No Confirmed. more dragons. His yes. his mate was the other last one, and yes. Bowen murdered her, and he's just totally fine with that. We had a meeting, and there were no dragons turning up, which means there are no more dragons. Yeah, okay. we see Bowen take out the penultimate dragon in yep. a very unimpressive sequence. <laughs> very true. <laughs> uh, so, having established that, that this dragon is the last dragon, Bowen then is told, or comes to the conclusion, he would essentially be without employ. And they form an uneasy partnership whereby like, the dragon... Like a Batman and Joker type thing where you can't possibly exist without me, Batman! <laughs> like, sort of. 
<laughs> in this case, yes. Um, the dragon will eat the livestock and Bowen will reap the rewards by pretending to kill him. So it's a scam, everybody. It's, it's, it's hoodwinkery. Bowen then names the dragon Draco after constellation, uh, which, you know, Draco points out is racist. Yep. Because um, yeah. he says, oh, don't call me dragon. I've got to have a name. It's rah, 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 rah. Like, well, I can't say that. So I'll just call you Draco. What does it mean? It means dragon. Oh, okay. So, right. So instead of calling me dragon in your language, using another tongue. I see. And he goes, well, fuck you. I'm an American. And he goes, no, no, I, I like it. <laughs> do you? The script says I have to. Hey, um, um, do you guys know the names of the other dragons in the franchise? Grimbledore or some bollocks? <laughs> Thankfully not. Uh, it's Draco, Drake, Drago, Griffin, and Siveth. Because that makes sense. We have Draco, Drake, and Drago. Also, Griffin and Siveth. Like, completely yeah. different. I always think any dragon name is... Uh, having had to put some dragon names into my film, they're all stupid anyway. It's fine. Or Rude Red. I like that. Um, I like, <laughs> there's a little tease for the uh, the outtakes there for you listeners. But I like the idea you're going to put some dragon names in there, Matt, and just be like, it's Steve the dragon, um, yep. James the dragon, Susan the Mel dragon. Melanie the dragon. M Melanie the dragon. <laughs> They're all called Puff the Magic Dragon. Hey. Um, okay, so it's constellation. It's very important. Uh, Kara tries to rally a nearby village, but is tied up as a sacrifice to a dragon. Uh, she is then taken by Draco, and the two form a friendship. However, Einan, looking for his wife to be, arrives and fights Bowen. Ah, oh, you're back again, are you? Oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't have the code. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> anyway, uh, <Very> <laughs> Einan then reveals that he never believed in the old code. But before he can kill the knight, Draco steps in and reveals his half heart. He goes, opens his chest, like, look at this shit. And it freaks him out. Uh, Dragons in this have a weird flap that they can lift up that exposes their heart. You'd think that'd be a hideous weakness. Yep. Yes. Yep. The, uh, the evolution was cruel to these giant creatures. Fucking idiots. No wonder they died. Um, then Kara tries to recruit the knight, but he refuses because he's too grumpy about the whole, oh, I never liked the code. Oh. What gave it away is the fact that he's a complete piece of shit. Anyway, as they won't help, Kara exposes Draco and Bowen's grift. Um, Draco then, you know, saves Bowen, Kara, and Brother Gilbert from a cannibalistic fate. Sure. And takes them to Avalon. We take another little, like, this is definitely England moment. <laughs> there he reveals that he is the dragon who shared his heart with Ainan. And obviously that draws attention between them all. He had hoped that by saving Ainan, He'd change the relationship between man and dragon and earn his place in dragon heaven. Which we uh, learn, spoiler alert, is space. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Fucking, fucking Highlander all over again. Yeah, he, he essentially does a quickening and just, <laughs> in, in, in classic Sean Connery style, does a quickening and just fucks off into space. Can you imagine if uh, Sean Connery turns up, finds, um, uh, Christopher Lambert and says, I'm going to teach you how to be a Highlander. Ah, there could be many Highlanders. I am bored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. Anyway, to be fair, so, to be fair, that is the kind of thing I would do if, if I say, for example, <laughs> I was mad enough to do like a Spider-Man three blade crossover, <laughs> doing a dragon heart Highlander crossover. Out. Sign me up, Matthew. I don't mean to put pressure on you and, you know, preempt nope. my own disappointment where you haven't gone batshit. <laughs> but it turns out I've done a thing, Draco is Spanish. 
<gasps> and Egyptian. And Egyptian. And an alien. And also from France. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we get some bullshit in this. Well, we'll get to a new beginning in a second. Yeah. Anyway, um, so he wants to get into Dragon Heaven. Uh, then Bowen is visited by the ghost of King Arthur. Ooh, isn't um, it? Or a vision. He's like, you know, ghosts are real. And the party then agreed to stand up to the despotic king. He's like, no, we have to live the old code. The old code. Let women vote. Um, <laughs> the group organized a militia headed by Draco, making a formidable army because you know. They have a fucking dragon. Yeah. And that quite easily. Uh, battle commences and the group are nearly victorious until Ainan is hit with an arrow, which causes Draco to double over. Shit! Ainan, uh, realizing the two are linked, orders a retreat and the dragon captured alive. Draco is then imprisoned in the castle. Because he's a chump. Later that night, Queen Ashland can no longer stand by and tries to kill Draco to end her son's rule because she's realized he's a bit of a shit. Uh, but I stops. She's, she's played by Julie Christie. She is. Sorry, yes. another yes. another Prominent famous, far too good to be in this film person. Yes, very, given very little so. to do. I can go. Oh, my son, my son. What have I done? But yes, Ireland steps in and, and kills her first, realizing he can become immortal as long as the dragon is alive. Because again, piece of shit. If he could kick a dog in this movie, he would. Um, the army stormed the castle to save Draco, but during the duel between Ireland and Bowen, Draco explains the only way. To end it is to kill him, as in to kill Draco. And Bo's like, no, I, I, I don't want to kill you. You're my friend now. I'm, you know, different worlds. And he goes, oh, no, I am the last one. You have to kill me and then you'll kill Aiden. Uh, Bowen then reluctantly agrees. And both the dragon and the king die. Uh. Draco's body <laughs> then disappears into, like, stardust. And he, he turns joins into a constellation. the other dragons Yay. to form a new star in the Draco constellation. It's like, yes. And uh, Gilbert narrates that Bowen and Kara went on to lead the kingdom in an era of justice and peace. And every time it was really bad, that star would shine bright and they go, oh, look at that. Guess we should probably not be wankers. Um, <laughs> they all learned that. was the last one. Yeah. So it's fine. It's very 90s. It, as, a, as a completely meh. Uh, and I think, I think you guys have always nailed it, but it is, um, uh, it, you know, it, it feels like a classic we're trying to do fantasy here, but really it's the grounded Robin Hood style. We just need a famous American here. And, and look, the, the, all the peasants are wearing these dirty clothes. It's like the King Henry, the, um, sorry, Henry V that uh, Bran had directed in the 80s. It's like, oh my God, it's grounded and gritty. It's also your audience now. Braveheart around this period. That's yes. true. Braveheart was the Speaking of um, Americans, because Mel Gibson yeah. is basically <laughs> American, let's be honest. Did the fucking Patriot, for God's sake. Americans doing Scottish accents terribly. Yeah. 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 yeah and the, and list. The, the whole like rebellion against the king at the end feels very Braveheart on a much yeah. smaller, less bloody scale. Very much so. Um, it, and, and yeah, sort of. It's, it's, we needed some more hanging, the, drawing, and quartering in this film. That's what I'm saying. That, I mean, that would improve it. Uh, uh, <laughs> but it, 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 you can definitely feel the budget stretching to its limit when they're like oh yeah. yes now there's the big battle that involves about mm, 40 people different time there was a whole village back then <laughs> <laughs> actually that would be the case um jack had a bit of trivia actually weirdly enough mm. that might come in quite nicely here yes so the character of draco was basically and this is gonna sound really weird written for sean connery he was the first choice for draco and that, essentially that, that does kind of make sense yeah yeah uh so rob cohen the um director 
specifically wanted to work with Sean Connery. I'll get on to him wanting to work with Pete Postlethwaite as well. It's a, it was a weird conversation there as well. Patrick Reed Johnson, who wrote the original book kind of thing, I think, or he has like story credit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm was also involved in some of the casting decisions and, and was like essentially a producer and stuff like that. Would you like to guess around this sort of time, the other people who were like uh top build and who met with Johnson to play Bowen originally think 1996 think like, bear in mind, these are well-known actors that I've heard of. It's not, I'm not throwing a curveball of like, it was Bob from down the road and he, John Dennis it's not a bad shout, not a bad shout. I'll give you a clue. They specifically went and looked for English and Irish actors at the time, but John Cusack. <laughs> they all so the battle. The battle was the the Universal wanted the, the studio wanted big Hollywood names, and they sent out the script to three in particular that I thought was fucking mental. And they had an alternate choice of voice instead of Sean Connery, which is fucking insane. Um, and I'm gonna say Tom Cruise. You might uh, be too expensive then. Tom Cruise is a good guess. It isn't one of them. Is in fact Tom Hanks. Uh, as the dragon voice, or as no, a as as Bowen. Bowen. As Bowen. Yeah. Wow. So they movie. they originally planned to cast a, a young Northern Irish mate from from Taken. That there, Liam Neeson. I was gonna guess Liam Neeson. I mean, he was an Excalibur. That makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Um, then discussions of Pierce Brosnan. And that sort of time. Oh, like, he's okay. he's yeah. just about Bond at this point. Just about Bond. Yeah, exactly right. Um, busy. Speaking of Bond, Timothy Dalton was also in the oh. running. Oh, that's I, cool. I thought Dalton would do quite a good job. Um, also, Liz Hurley was discussed for Kara as well. I thought it was interesting. I was like, imagine yeah. this film with Timothy Dalton and Liz Hurley and what a different vibe this film <laughs> would be. Um, Gabriel Byrne was also discussed for Bowen as well. Gabriel Byrne. Love, love a bit of Gabriel Byrne. Um, so the the three big American names. One of them is Tom Hanks. The other one is Kevin Bacon. And <laughs> and the thir- and I quote: the third big American name is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh my Jesus. god! That would have been yeah. such a different film. Some someone would have said he was in Conan, right? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, he, he was in Conan. Like you know, he's Terminator now, right? Like yeah, whatever. He was in Conan. Let's chuck him in. I mean, he was in fucking Batman. It just it, it didn't exactly. matter at that yeah. point. Um, so <laughs> other actors also considered, so Neeson was almost cast. He was the closest by far and was, um, I think it was Johnson's original pick, like Patrick Johnson's original pick for the, for the role. Mm. And they even talked about Harrison Ford, the aforementioned Mr. Braveheart himself, Mr. Mel Gibson and yeah. Cohen's first choice after, uh, first choice before Quaid accepted the role was Patrick Swayze. <laughs> what the fuck was this movie? How could you have I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Patrick Swayze and Tom Hanks all potentially for the same role? That is This is the thing. And every fucking time someone says about this stuff, and this is, you have to remember, this is still going on now. It's rife in Hollywood, but it's also uh, very, very, very prominent in the 90s. Whenever you had like, oh, we're going to cast somebody for an X-Men movie, and you see who they thought they were going to put in it. You know, what the fuck are you talking about? We're going to do a new Batman. Who's it going to be? I mean, imagine if George Clooney had not been cast as Batman and be like, who would have thought that was an idea? Mm. Um, it was more all about, you know, selling it on the name, who can get the admission ticket. I mean, to be fair, the best example I can give you now 
the equivalent. We go, oh, I guess. And everyone goes, why is the rock? Every time you cast the rock at anything, someone should say, what? Yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah. And I like the rock as an actor. I think he's written a lot of stuff, but it's always like, what? He, no, he's going to make it just about him. And it's the thing like, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is, um, uh, as Sir Bowen. It's like, I mean, yeah, it makes as much sense as fucking Dennis Quaid. Um, <laughs> Bill Pullman. I've got, know, I've, got, I, I, I've got a couple of quotes before we get to have a think while I, while I discuss the other things about a well-known actor who was the other choice from the studio specifically to voice Draco instead of Connery. While I discuss the, uh, Johnson talks about the casting of Quaid and, uh, Dinamaya as Kara as well. I love Dennis Quaid. I love everything he's done. I just didn't think he should be in 10th century England. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, any more than know. Kevin Costner should be in Sherwood Forest. Hey, you nailed it, Tim. Not that they weren't enjoyable in their roles. Frankly, I think Dennis Quaid saved the movie, to be honest, as much as it could have been saved. Dennis Quaid just wasn't the right man for the role. Liam Neeson was the right man for the role. You can really tell he wanted Liam Neeson. And Dina Meyer, again, 10th century England? Beverly Hills, 10 AD? Which I kind of <laughs> love. Not, that's not how time works, but sure. <laughs> that would have been first century fucking maniac. Um, <laughs> bless her heart, she tried. It didn't help that they stuck her in a funny red wig that was constantly changing shape and size. The whole thing just flabbergasted me. And he also talks about, so coming back around to the accent we talked about with David Thewlis, apparently the kid does have a northern accent originally, and that is why Thewlis is doing a northern accent, is because he was what? influenced by the kid's accent. This is, this is a quote from Johnson. Um, Johnson, so this is a this is from an article about Johnson working with them. Uh, Cohen, the director, shooting the scenes with Lee Oakes, who is the young Einan, greatly hindered David Thewlis's performance. Mm. <laughs> Oakes spoke with a thick Northern English accent, forcing Thewlis to mimic the child's actor's accent, going against his natural speaking voice. David Thewlis is from Blackpool, like yeah, he, bullshit. Yeah. I, did they get that round the wrong way or something? I don't fully understand that. Because uh, and also, I'm pretty sure I went back because because when I was watching this film again, and it got to Grown Up Island, and I was like, "What the fuck is this voice?" Yeah. And then I went back and was like, "I'm pretty sure the kid didn't have that voice." And I checked, and it it he was a Correct. lot not nearly as strong an accent. And maybe he did have a bit of an accent, but agreed. So I'm not this sure is what, what is going on there. This is um, from an interview IGN did uh, like 10 years ago or so called The Rise right. and Fall and Rise of a Hollywood Director, an interview with Patrick Reed Johnson and talking about his career. And it's like a five part, like nine to 10,000 word wow. interview going back and talking about Dragonheart and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's it's mad. It, it, I'll, I will chuck, we'll, we'll chuck the link in the show notes if you for whatever fucking reason want to go and read these interviews <laughs> I, d I don't recommend it it's not particularly interesting but what is interesting is who do you think the universal studio suggested to replace connery as the voice bear in mind like i said they essentially went in straight with with uh, cohen and johnson they went in with like gotta be sean connery he's got such an iconic voice um he must like you know may maybe we could do like something different but i don't know it's got to be it's got to be sean connery who well, do you was, think a couple of years beforehand it was the whole he turns up at the end of aforementioned robin hood prince thesis king yeah. arthur uh, king richard sorry and it was like oh shit that's a big fucking cameo holy mm. crap that's hilarious um so g give us a bit of a clue here is it a british person is it a uh, person is it a um, woman Amer is it? american actor let me just double check uh some more information 
Uh, Nick Nolte. <laughs> I'd say an iconic American actor. Uh, they have won uh, Academy Awards, uh, Grammy Awards, and they're, they're an EGOT. Put it that way. Oh, one, of, one of the few, one of the 17 EGOTs in Whoopi the world. Goldberg. Nailed it, Tim. It's fucking Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Can you imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger, wow. fucking Whoopi Goldberg, and Liz Hurley in this movie? That is a potential thing that nearly happened if the studio had had their way. I'm not saying that might have been a better movie, but that would have been fucking batshit. See, <laughs> um, I've been uh, around the time of like Theodore Rex as well, wouldn't it? Yes, it is. Well, yeah. that is interesting because I remember the '98 film, sorry, A Night in Camelot, uh, oh God, which stars yeah. Whoopi Goldberg as a time traveler. Accidentally, she goes back to the court of King Arthur with Michael York playing the role and yep. Ian Richardson playing Merlin, and that was a bad film. Um, <laughs> so. I feel but, like somebody like was just desperate to get into a British fantasy setting. Yeah, she's essentially fresh out of like Made in America and like Next Generation is only a few years earlier than this. She was playing Guinan and that and like Sister Act 2 is obviously 93 as well. Like, yeah. Well, she won an Oscar for Ghost, so she was yeah. like, I can, I, she's like, I, I, Color Purple, like, oh, she's very talented as a dramatic actor. It's like, oh no, she's also hilarious because, you know, her background in comedy and stuff. So. Oh. Can you imagine? And there were two other potential directors that they wanted to work with. Uh, one I think would actually been really interesting is Richard Donner. I think that could have oh yeah could yeah, have been very interesting because Donner has got such a, an amazing pedigree of making like relatable family films that work for both adults and kids. And I think he mm, could have really nailed yes. the tone for this kind of thing. The other one which I thought was really interesting, which I would never have thought about in '96, but actually kind of makes sense, is fucking Kenneth Branagh. He apparently turned it down because he asked, he asked for too much money and they said no, essentially. Mm. So, yeah, it's a weird one because Branner had, like, he directed that this is the same year as Hamlet, bear in mind. Like, mm. his, his, his version of Hamlet. Hour. Yeah. 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 The four hour thing. Henry he's done. The fifth being um, yeah. this dark, dour, you know, more realistic, uh, Bravehearty kind of thing. Yeah. And that's late whatever. 80s, isn't it? And then. Mm. Basically, unsurprisingly, Branagh does a bunch of Shakespeare. It's Henry V. It's much ado about mm. nothing. Yeah. Uh, he did the Frankenstein in the '90s, Frankenstein '94 as well. Uh, Hamlet is the same year as this. I was like, I, I guess, I guess because they think medieval England, they think Shakespeare. Well, it's like eh. if you think Rob Cohen's a weird pick in general because at that point he'd only done really yeah. have any note as uh, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Um, Did they and then pick he goes him to... just because it has the word dragon in it? Dragon. <laughs> do we need? Do we need to have that conversation? Oh, maybe. It's like dragon, the Bruce Lee story, dragon colon heart. Okay. See, like... he. He did. He the thing, people might go, "Oh, Rob Cohen, what do I know him from?" There's no point mentioning Dragonheart. It's always like he directed the first, uh, the Fast and the Furious movie. He did Triple X. He did Stealth and the Mummy Three. It's like that's who Rob Cohen is. Yeah. Dragonheart might be one of the high points, weirdly enough. Imagine this. I, I mean, Kenneth Branagh directing Whoopi Goldberg as a dragon, and, and Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Bowen, <laughs> and Liz Hurley as Kara. What the fuck would be the most mad '90s thing? Um, yeah, so they literally did like test screenings with Liam Neeson and all that kind of stuff. Um, famous a story this other actor has told in the past when they were working with like some of the ILM stuff and some of the um, Jim Henson Creature Shop stuff that they did for like the the close ups, the animatronics and stuff. 
uh, Clive Owen filled in for Liam Neeson for some for some shots and some of the screen tests as well. Oh wow! So it's this weird fucking like who remembers Dragonheart from 1996? But it's this crazy like almost like maelstrom like <laughs> nexus of hollywood actors all yeah. but nearly coming together in this weird parallel universe that we create with sequelizers despite matthew mm. saying we don't we do <laughs> oh it's a parallel universe it's not a shared parallel universe that's my problem Jack. oh okay okay <laughs> it is um and then yeah the amount of different things that like could have happened that would so i think would so drastically change this movie just swapping branner in just changing director i think could be that a massive influence huge. Just changing mm. Connery to Goldberg is such a big change. Changing Quaid to Schwarzenegger or Hanks? Tom fucking Hanks in Dragonheart makes no goddamn sense to me. And I find that I find that way more interesting than the actual film, I'm not going to lie. You know, the, the, I, when you said about, like, you know, when you were describing the person to the, who it could be, I thought, oh, maybe it's um African-American person. Maybe it's like Morgan Freeman. That would make sense. It's like, we'll be Goldberg. No, that makes no sense. <laughs> there's, there's nothing there. I can't. I, I don't know what to do with that information. Um, it's mad. But this 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 was interesting because technically the fact that this movie is a sort of forgotten footnote, it did usher in some stuff. It was a bit of a a, a near miss of like lots of people actively seeking out the role and and testing for things a bit pieces, which is why it's so baffling to me that the sequel, which we're about to get onto now with the synopsis, is so cheap and so shit. Because the first one made, it made a decent amount of the box office. It's like it, it, at, the, at the time, fifty-seven millions, quite quite a sizable budget. It is, um, yeah. Made around one hundred fifteen million, maybe one hundred twenty of that sort of stuff. So it's like that's a that's a decent amount of money to make in the nineties. Um, and it went on to win tons of awards, including an Oscar nomination. So we're like, a sequel seems inevitable. A sequel seems like you, of course, you're getting one. But of course, this was also the era of. Let's slip that straight to DVD and yeah. make the mistake of doing that. Um, let's let's talk about the sequel. Please um, do, Matthew. Please do. I have far less to say about the making do. the makings of the second movie than I do about the first. Yeah, the words "cheap TV forgettable" are going to come out of my mouth quite quickly. Yeah. Um, Dragonheart, new beginning, two thousand. Whew. Uh, just before his death, Sir Bowen visits Draco's cave and finds a dragon egg. But he was the last, Matthew. He was the last. <laughs> I am this the last one. one. Yeah. And and who's who's playing who's playing Bowen? Oh wait, not Dennis Tom Quaid. Hanks. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a slightly older Tom Hanks. No, it's it, nobody's back. Literally, nobody's back. nobody. It's a yeah. Harry von Gorkum. Yes, he also plays the, the bad guy. He certainly does. Uh, thanks to a prophecy which states a dragon's heart could doom mankind when a two-tailed comet blazes across the sky i wrote that very specifically um brother gilbert I, we said earlier it's, it's not people's plate uh <laughs> takes the egg and pledges to hide it until the comet passes friar peter is instructed to carry this charge and does so for 20 years so we've already taken a huge leap to the end of of bowen's life and then further 20 years and um, a lot of jumps to yeah it. to be fair that's pretty dragonheart we it's, are then introduced it's medieval to... times. It doesn't matter if you jump forward sixty years; it's all going to look the same. That's Absolutely. the whole thing, right? Because, like, if you did that now in this millennium, there would be a serious <laughs> issue. Like, oh, you've gone from the sixties to the seventies. Well, that's a bit weird. Like, fifteen something to fifteen something else. Who cares? But it doesn't matter. Medieval England, medieval England. 
Yeah, we're now in 1100 Britain to 1400 Britain. What's changed? Ah, I mean... <laughs> Welcome to the Dark I mean, Ages, son. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. So, we are then introduced to a stable boy named Jeff. <laughs> Who Except dreams of being a knight? They, they don't call him Jeff. No, because they it's Jeff spelt with a G, which is yes. kind of I guess vaguely more British than with the J. Jeffrey it, is old English G E O. Feels yeah. more olden times, right? <laughs> yeah, but they call him like Joff. Yes, they do. I will. He's, he's Joffrey, Jeff, as in Game of Thrones, I guess. Yeah. Yes, I might keep calling him Jeff just so you're all aware. Um. So, uh, he dreams of being a knight. Uh, the king is also keen to see the old code thrive and makes Osric his chief advisor. But Osric, in fact, has nefarious desires and is secretly poisoning the king. And who's Osric so played by? As we talked about earlier, <laughs> the same guy who played same Old guy. Bowen because they have yeah, no We've only got money. a limited budget <laughs> and time and patience. We'll just wait until we get to the other character he plays because fucking hell. Fucking don't. <laughs> Uh, um, so first things first, just to get the note for this thing. Story-wise, this sounds fine. Doesn't necessarily sound bad. Yeah. It just—it's just really fucking cheap, like I Mortal Combat Annihilation cheap. There's some odd choices in here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, but I mean, just at this point, at this yeah. point in time, with the whole there happens to be an egg. Sure, bollocks, but sure. Uh, the 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 church is going to keep hold of it until this comet passes by because of a. Uh, a, a prophecy. Eh, sure, okay, bollocks, but let's go with it. There's a boy, a stable boy who wants to be a knight, okay, and the, the king's advisor is poisoning him, but he, he's making out he's actually his friend. That's so, fine. So far, so tropey. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Eight days before the comet arrives, two Chinese nationals turn up. Right, so... Um... Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Master Quan and his son. Um, uh, the son's very androgynous. I don't know if that will come up later. We'll see. Because you know, this is my son. Is it? Sure. Um, they have divined or divined that a dragon has been born, and ask Friar Peter if this is true to ascertain if the creature is evil or noble. They've sort of rocked up, saying, "Hey, we heard there's a dragon. Let's not worry about it." Hearing this, Jeff. Uh, sneaks off to find the dragon named Drake. Oh, thank God. What an original, interesting <laughs> yeah. name. <laughs> really, re- really put all of their creativity into that one. He- he's the cool cool kid. Draco. Drake. Oh, Yeah, down with the kids. Um, <clears throat> upon meeting each other, the two adolescents become friends. And we get a montage of arse and recycled footage. Because <laughs> uh, we need a map. montage. We really don't. Four days before the comet's arrival, Jeff learns that Quan's son is actually the Empress of China, Lian. It's like, oh, it's a woman. Now they can have a love interest. The group are threatened by knights, but saved by Drake, who flies for the first time, because he's being an adolescent dragon, he doesn't know half of his powers yet. Uh, he hasn't been trained. Uh, impressed by this, Osric names Jeff and Drake protectors of the realm. Master Quan tests Drake and deems his worthy, sorry, deems him worthy, and so begins his training. Because you know the Chinese have always trained dragons. Quick question for you. Speaking nope. of uh, secret Chinese girls, um, yeah, that's a sentence I just said out loud. What ties Dragonheart and Mulan directly to each other? Because something we actually haven't talked about about Dragonheart yet. 
The first one, not mm. not a new beginning. Um, we, the first Dragon and the live action Mulan? Absolutely not. No, the, <laughs> carto- the cartoon Mulan. Any I'm ideas? not sure. Eddie no. Murphy was nearly the knight. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's in them both. You just didn't realize. No, um, the music used for the original Mulan trailer is from Dragonheart. The Dragonheart theme. Oh, you know that ah. piece of music that keeps fucking cropping Which, up all over the place. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty good, to be fair. Yeah. So um, before Goldsmith had written his stuff, interesting. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's the the weird thing about Dragonheart that that piece of music I think it's called "To the Stars" is that the Dragonheart theme, essentially. Um, Randy Edelman went and did like Kindergarten Cop and Ghostbusters Two. He did The Mask, like a lot of stuff we've kind of tangentially covered. Some of them we've even fixed directly. I think his themes are quite good, if I'm honest. I think his motifs are quite good. I agree. I think the music from Dragonheart is one of its strengths, absolutely. And I think he's done some good stuff over the years. And he says, like, the license... He owns the rights to that song, and he has made a lot of money from licensing (laughs) that out as generic fantasy theme number four, essentially, that has just been reused a bunch of times. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I wrote To the Stars in, like, the mid-90s, and they used it as the theme for Dragonheart. And then also Mulan, and also this thing, and also this thing, and all, and it just keeps getting used in like trailers and stuff because it's that kind of very evocative, general fantasy sweeping epicness mm. that kind of conveys that kind of thing. And as we talked about, we're going to that era where we're full of that shit. Whether it's really good stuff like Mulan, whether it's crap like the Dungeons and Dragons movie, or some of these sequels as we're talking about, I find it fascinating. They just keep reusing that music over and over again. And again. That did happen a bit because they did it with the Stargate theme and David Arnold yes. got a huge bang. Mm. What was it? Everything's yep. like, what's the Stargate music? Because it's too fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm. it's a weird, weird little connection there. Yeah. Interesting though. Um, okay. So Ian and Jeff talk about Griffin, the dragon who betrayed the code and when defeated, had his heart imprisoned in an amulet. And you're like, Griffin. Okay. Another <laughs> mythical being, but sure. Who, yes. Who's, who's the voice of Griffin? Oh, it's Harry Van Orkham again. He's back, baby. He's old Bowen, he's Osric, and he's the voice of Griffin, because I guess he was very cheap. <laughs> Fuck's sake. I, 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 I'm not even surprised. We'll, we'll get to it, but I'm not even surprised, basically. No. So, Nobody and Griffin, you know, this, this, this dragon in China. Griffin. Um, on, the, <laughs> on the night of the comic. Oh, it should have been Mushu. That would have been so good. <laughs> On that of the comic, Quan and Leanne are captured while Osric has Jeff and Drake assault a group of Terragoths. That's actually a, a thing. It's basically it's a metal Germans. Band. Yeah. <laughs> um, it appears Osric is dying and he asks for part of Drake's heart, but Jeff sees through the ruse. You're not dying. You're just trying to steal the heart, you sneaky fuck. So Direct Drake quote. uses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Drake uses his fire breath to free Jeff. Um, I'm sorry, I, I can't not call him Jeff. <laughs> I, I'll let you know, listeners, I'm laughing off mic every time Matt says Jeff. If I did it on mic, this would go on forever. So, think yourself uh, Osric turns to the castle and is confronted by Quine and Leanne. Um, Osric recognizes the amulet and orders it cast into the fire. A fight, and obviously, you know, with the voice and everything, you think to yourself, oh, I wonder where they're going with this. A fight breaks out and Quan dies to protect Leanne. Oh, okay. Osric then bangs on about the old code being a way of uh, to control the weak masses. There's some interesting politics there. Before cutting open his chest and using the heart fragment from the amulet, just as the comet appears. We then get a huge twist that the what? dragon griffin was punished to live as a human. And oh. that human happens to be Osric, 
Because if you're going to cast the guy with the exact same voice and face, <laughs> I'm going to start thinking maybe he's also Bowen. And then it's like, oh, no, he's not. It's fine. Um, yeah, he so then takes his dragon. They, they just don't talk about the fact. Granted, he's got a big fake beard on and all that bullshit. But like, yeah, we just don't address the fact that Bowen is also played by the same guy in this one. Like, yeah. No, we just, uh, you just, just, just don't about it. Reason. Nope. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very surreal. And you think to yourself, well, I, I, I'm obviously, of course, Griffin's voice is this guy because that's what we're building to. It's just not mm. very subtle about it. But then, but he's also Bowen. It's like, yeah. Yeah, we just Did ran you not out find of anyone actors. else. <laughs> just yeah, there were no more. <laughs> you couldn't use anyone else from the film. There were just no more. What do you want us to use? Quan? That's not going to work. It's like, <laughs> sure. Anyway, so he takes his dragon form as the prophecy foretold. Fucking oh, oh, it's bad, <laughs> isn't it? Just I mean, so we'll get to the CGI because I have to mention nothing about it. But here we go. The dragons fight with Drake mastering his ice breath. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, Griffin then falls to the ground and shatters, dying in the process. Part of the ice shards, however, pierce Jeff's heart. <laughs> oh, I hate shit. you, Matthew. I hate you so much. So, so Drake offers his heart to revive him, uh, and he does. Yeah, and then returns to China, satisfied that Griffin's reign will not return because you know he's dead. And Jeff and Drake ensure the old code is restored. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this film. <laughs> um, and the thing we haven't touched on is that everything looks really fucking cheap. I don't mean we Doesn't always use just. this phrase of like like PS1 era graphics and that's, that's very the joke. Right? Yeah. That's always the joke. The truth is, it's it's not even that. Obviously, it looks fucking rubbery and 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 fake and and uh, obvious. It's the fact that it's clip art is the <laughs> what we're looking for. It sits on the background. It looks yeah. dog shit. Yeah, and it and looks cheap, and it never looked good. There's some real awkward shots where it's like, oh, we can't afford to do the graphics in this one, so we're going to shoot it from this weird angle to try and so that the dragon is saying stuff off camera, but we're only showing. It's like, oh, we put we put this big thing up to cast a shadow, and that's about it. It's bad, people. It's bad. I I also I because there's 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 some characters that we haven't really touched on in here. Correct. Um. <laughs> There's uh, Mansell, who is a young novice monk working yeah. for the the, the, the the temple, the church, that is yeah. hiding the, the dragon egg originally. He gets flobbed on, that's his big thing. Yes. Uh, and there's also Roland, who is this young knight oh, yeah. who is very put out when, when uh, Jeff is also made a knight. Yes. And I don't know if this was just me reading into it, but there was a lot of homoerotic tension between Jeff and both of these characters. There's I a moment, agree. There's a moment when he's like, Jeff is like sweeping up or whatever, being a stable boy, and they, you see the knights ride in, and him and Roland like lock eyes, and there is this like musical sting, and it's, yep. and I, I was like, oh, no, they can't be doing that. The year 2000. It's the year 2000 in a director DVD film. They're not going to put a gay romance in this, but it is so, it's shot with this weird intensity. Roland and Jeff have a real, like, oh, I bully you. Oh, I'm so. Yes. Because you bully the ones you love, kind of thing. (laughs) I don't know how to express my attraction to you, so I bully you because. Yeah. uh, Masculinity, right, guys? Yeah. It's it's true because the, the I know how they're trying to frame it. There's supposed to be the idea of um oh I admire the station that you hold and what you represent. 
but I'm a bit of a ruffian and oh, I'm not really. Oh, I'm a bit of a bad boy. It's like, nah, she's yeah. two gays, aren't you? Um, <laughs> but it's badly written. If, if it had gone down the whole road of like, oh, that's, that's oh, cliche. That's I would, I would not hell. trust this film to pull that off in any no, way. But I was just like, I was shocked at the amount of weird and, and the fact that also you have Leanne who is dressed up as a boy and you have Jeff kind of making eyes at her occasionally, even before he discovers that she's actually a girl. Like, yeah. there's some interesting vibes to this film that I'm prob- I don't think were probably intentional. No, no, almost not at all. I, I'm, I can guarantee that that we are going, that's a choice. Is that, is that, is that a reason? No, 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 it's not. It's not. Okay. Okay, just something you just did accidentally, yeah, and badly. I, I mean, this is a this is a what is affectionately known as as a franchise killer. It is a <laughs> um a piece of shit that is embarrassing and like one of those classic one of the worst things ever made. Um, nobody really likes it, and the fact there are now three more a good decade it later blows my brain. Blows my mind. Can't believe it. We we just got the reasons why, but it's still kind of baffling that it exists. And by the way, we don't recommend watching it. It's just, it's it's very much like it feels now like an episode of a two thousands TV series. You know, yeah, mm. it's got that sort of cheap vibe, but there's very little redeeming qualities to it. It's it's very like bad episode of Hercules: The Legendary Journey. Or there we go. Called. There we go. <laughs> uh, or and and not Which even for that TV would be praised really. for the dragon. Like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, you guys did pretty good there with that dragon, but it's like, no, this is a film. Like, oh, in that case, then it's shit. Yeah, and just like no good performances in it. Um, Robbie Benson, who is a talented voice actor who did the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, does Mm. Drake, and it's just it's so like yeah, because you get a kid actor, right? Yeah, for that role of a kid dragon. Oh no, an old man. It's it's just very like, hey, I'm a fun teen dragon. Feels like it's a couple of steps away from mm. him, like getting a skateboard out. Yeah. Weirdly enough, just because Tim, I think uh, we haven't mentioned about Doug Leffler, the director of this movie. Um, mm. His career is very, very much easily a straight line again. Uh, he worked as a second unit director on Army of Darkness, and because he worked with Raimi, he therefore worked on a couple episodes of Hercules: The Legendary yep. <laughs> Journeys. So you're like, oh, there you go. Okay, that's where he's known. Um, he then did an episode of Mortal. Combat Conquest. Yep. Yeah. Um, I want to say some Babylon 5, maybe, but basically just TV shit. And yeah. then he's done this thing and it looks like TV shit. It feels like that's the limit of, their, of what their mm-hmm. budget is. But I'm a lot of the audience at the time and the, maybe these studios went, you know what? He's doing okay. He's, he's made this TV movie straight to DVD thing look acceptable. Good enough. Job done. He hit the brief as opposed to we could have actually made something quite decent with this, but fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. It has it I very say. much. It very much has the feeling of a that'll do. That'll uh, do, pig. Pro- production. You know. Oh, it's just for kids. Who gives a Who gives a fuck? Oh, uh, that's a great thing to running like coming soon from that'll do productions. <laughs> <laughs> this low effort piece of that shit sums up a lot of the films we cover on this podcast. Fucking absolutely is. Good lord. So I suppose you should probably go around to fixing it, right, Matthew? Uh, I've done a thing. Uh, not to be that guy, but could you do worse? Mm, I don't know if you could. No, no, no. We'll see. We'll see. What Have I've you done. cast we'll the same done. guy as three completely separate characters? <laughs> it turns enough, out two of them are directly related, and the third <laughs> one has nothing to do with the other two for some reason. Don't ruin it, Jack. Oh. Um, 
No, I was going to say, uh, weird enough, they're actually, uh, even with my director, there's like a load of really strange tangential links to uh, the dragon heart that could have been. But I didn't, didn't know about this stuff until you started naming actors, so this will be interesting. Excellent. Excellent. I, I love it. You've done this to me a few times this season, Matthew, where you're yeah. like, oh yeah, it'd be weird if you cast this person and be like, well, funny you should mention that, Matthew's <laughs> Doctor, because this person's in my movie. Uh, my God. So yeah. I'm I'm interested to see where you're going to go with this. Very interested okay. indeed. Okay. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible has thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, comedy specials, and so much more. And we're here to enhance this fantastic experience. Because if you head to audibletrial.com slash sequel, you can get a month free and an audiobook on us. Um, I'm going to recommend, I mean, there's so much dragon literature. Might as well go for one that's uh, semi-relevant right now. Uh, Fire and Blood by George R.R. R. Martin, read ah. by Simon Vance. Um, it's the, the, the short book, I believe, that is the inspiration for House of Dragon itself. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get uh, that season, I guess. I, I don't think it really spoiled is the right word, because mm. technically, if you watch Game of Thrones, they spoil what the fuck happens. So <laughs> Yeah, not the nuance of it all, but yes. No, yeah, but it's, yeah, so, so that's a good one, and well, well read from the sample I've heard. So maybe check that out, or, or you know, just type in the word dragon and go for the myriad choices that come up available to you so get on down to audibletrial.com slash sequel for a month free and an audiobook on us audible burn not books burn burn people but not books i'm surprised you didn't recommend the eighth book in the how to train your dragon series of how to break a dragon's heart no narrated by david tennant no less i'm not a monster christ uh, I should have said maybe Dragon should r- try reading books instead of burning them to tie it fully back to Sean Connery <laughs> Yikes. and and Nazis and Nazis. Um, part two. So as always, before we get into the fix, we do have one more piece of business, which is Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, our oh, standard uh, look at this extremely imperfect uh, way of judging films. <laughs> Uh, for people who aren't familiar, Rotten Tomatoes is a percentage score of positive reviews, positive meaning three out of five or equivalent, hopefully, fingers crossed, if they've entered it into the website in the right way, which, as we have discovered, they often don't. Sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it's the wrong movie. But who cares? We have fun Sometimes a bad review ends up being classified as positive. As you said to him, sometimes it's a completely different film. And they're just like, nope, something different. But we have fun here. Uh, and we'd like we to That's the take most a guess thing. at how these films have scored. I'm going to come out, not with any numbers no. just yet, but I'm just going to come out and say this. I think this one is going to be weird. <laughs> I, I, that's all I'm going to say. Because, I mean, like, you know, for example, Thanks, last man. week we had uh, the Big Lebowski and Jesus Rolls, and we were like, oh, Big Lebowski, far too low. Jesus Rolls, far too high. But it's still in the right hemisphere, shall we say, of, sure. of the set. I don't know about this. I can't imagine Dragonheart having a particularly good score. I can't imagine everyone giving a shit about any of the other movies to even rate it. So I have no idea, basically. I'm going to go so... I don't, I don't know. Because usually the thing about this game is, as, as Tim mentioned, we have a lot of fun with this stuff, but it becomes this soothsaying, rune-reading thing where rather than what do you think this film is, what does it deserve, what, what is it accredited as, it's how many percentage of critics or people who went out their way both at the time and uh, now trying to maybe elevate a score of something they think is a cult classic, even though it's a big pile of shit. All these things factor in in an interesting and fun way of 
reading the tea leaves, as it were. So I'm I'm genuinely more so than many of these things this season unsure where this is going. So all that said, Jack, I'm going to come to you first. Uh oh. 1996's Dragonheart. What are you thinking? You and I said earlier, Tim, eh, reasonably well received. I think I think I'm going to stick with those guns. Reasonably well received. It can't be too high because this film is still crap. But again, thinking about contemporary and modern retrospective reviews, uh, it's got to be 55 because I like the number five. (laughs) Okay, Matthew, what are you thinking? Similarly torn. It's not a good film. Very few people have said it was a good film. Again, Oscar nominations have made a load of money. That that Mm, does have an impact sometimes. Um, some people said, "Oh, it's a, a, a feast for the eyes for kids." Um, like Suicide Squad was, right, guys? <laughs> that Oscar-winning movie. Oh God! Don't pay a load of money. I, I will bring that up every chance I get. Um, I'm gonna say the mirrored version of Jack. There, I'm gonna say 45. Oh, interesting. And together, it's 100 percent for. Hey. <laughs> Uh, so on to Dragonheart, a new beginning, two thousand. Matthew, shit, I don't know. I don't it's got, know. It's gotta be. It's gotta be lower. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Okay, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. You better do. I'm gonna be bold. I think this is gonna be one of those weird instances where it's somehow higher rated than the first Ooh, one interesting. despite being worse because only 10 people have reviewed it and um, it, like they're all defending it. it's like it wasn't that bad the story's quite engaging oh it was like Chinese mythology and dragons it's much better fuck I'm a big Harry Van Gorkum fan so no <laughs> I like ever. seeing him three times um, uh, so let's say oh, I don't want to go 45 again but fuck it let's say let's say 50 I had a other bold prediction as well that it didn't get Egg. enough reviews to get the oh, score and all that kind of shit. Yeah, and, good point. But it's the 2000s. It's that kind of era where people review literally anything that comes out. So I will go... Uh, God, I want to go 30s or 40s. I think it's got to be lower. It's not that much lower, but it's got to be lower. I'll go 37. Made that number up in my head. Okay. <laughs> Now, it being me, Uh-oh. I have looked up the scores for Dragonheart 3, The Sorcerer's Curse, oh, God. Dragonheart Battle oh, God. for the Heartfire, and Dragonheart Vengeance. Oh no. Now, and we'll, we'll get into this a, a bit later as well, Uh-oh. those three films... Don't have enough reviews? Don't have enough Surely reviews not. to get scores. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I knew, uh, I knew they, they wouldn't. One review apiece... Uh, from, <gasps> what? Uh, so they're either zero percent or so they're either zero or a hundred. Uh, I think they're all from one of these like parent safety websites. Of oh like, god, yeah, we talked about them before. Does it, yeah, does it have any swearing or or whatever? Uh, what was the one we talked about before? Um, common sense or it's something common sense like media, that? Yeah, that's them? it. Yes. That's the one. Yeah, because we discovered that. Well, rediscovered it in some cases. What was oh it was the Mean Girls reviews? That's what I went through them on the Mean Girls thing. Yes, I was like, mm, yes, setting a bad example for our high school children. Yeah. <laughs> two out of five and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so I'm not going to ask you to predict the Rotten Tomatoes score because a it doesn't have one, and b if it did, it would either be a hundred or zero. However, they do have audience scores. 
Oh, shit. So I'm going to ask you for audience scores on these. Matthew, have you seen these movies? Yeah. All of them? Yeah. Except I thought it was uh, Rachel Weisz rather than uh, Helena Bonham Carter. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She's in the last one? The the most recent one, fifth one, yeah. Yeah. Um, They're bad. But better than uh, A New Beginning. That's the thing, right? New Beginning is the worst. It is the worst, yes. Where do these sit? So is the question. Jack will come to you first for Dragonheart 3, The Sorcerer's Curse. 2015, <laughs> 15 years after A New Beginning. What a weird choice. That's the one with Ben Kingsley, right? Again, one of them has Ben Kingsley, one of them has Patrick Stewart, and the other one has Helena Bonham Carter. Each one of them has a, oh, I've heard, I know. Yeah, uh, exactly. One name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One name you've heard of. Um, oh, fucking hell. Right, okay. Sorcerer's Curse. What is Sorcerer's Curse telling me? Uh, I guess by definition, I have to, like I said, I have to go higher than the 37 I gave. So, 42. And Matt, <laughs> Slightly higher than what, it, what are you thinking? I have a bold stratagem. Oh, no. What did I give, what did I give the first Dragonheart? 45. Uh, 45. Tim, lock me in for 45. Oh, no. Okay. Matt, Tim, ask me about the next one. Going, Dragonheart, battle for the heartfire. Tim, lock me in for forty-five. I feel like the audience is just such a circle, but you're like gonna have the same opinions every single time. Okay, Jack. I have forty-two last time. I'll go forty-seven. Okay. Get up by another five percent because maths. And I don't fucking no. Jack, Dragonheart, vengeance. Dragon. <laughs> Vengeance! What a terrible fucking subtitle! Oh god. Um, Dragonheart Vengeance, starring Helena Bonham Carter. Um, is it one hundred percent or zero percent? We'll never know. Um, but in terms of audience score, it is fifty. Okay. And Fuck Matt, it. are you sticking Fuck with forty-five? Again? Lock me in for forty-five <laughs> percent. I would. Love it if all of them are somehow 45. Can you <laughs> just it's a 45 across the board? The entire franchise. Okay. The first, film, the first the time film, ever an entire franchise is one score across <laughs> the board. Christ, that'd be amazing. Uh, okay, I'm just going to do some, some quick mental tabulation Uh-oh. here. Uh-oh. That means we're close, folks. We're, we're, we're sniffing around. I mean, we, our numbers were quite samey, to be fair. Yes. Yeah. We didn't say 70s and 20s. No, no, no. So... Let's uh, start with Dragonheart, 1996. Thank God for that, Tim. Please do. Matt, you said 45. I did. Jack, you said 55. Uh, uh, yep, yep. With for 30 reviews, so not many oh. at all, Yeah. the critic score is dead bang in the middle, 50%. <gasps> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. God. Okay, uh, okay. Audience score of 60%. Yeah. Huh. Uh, 50 yeah. and 60 kind of... Uh, that. That's it's about, for this film. Absolutely, it's about right. I get, I can see that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Dragonheart: A New Beginning, two thousand. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know with this one. Matt, you said fifty percent. I did. Jack, you said thirty-seven percent. I, I did for some reason. Yes. With ten five reviews, the minimum <sighs> number needed to get a Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Oh right. My God. It has forty percent. So, Jack, <laughs> you win that one. <laughs> Yeah. This is not a 10% drop. Yes, this is... Yes, yes. The, oh my God. The, Much worse. The audience score is 35, which I think is a, a better yeah, yeah. drop. It That's should still getting, be lower. getting closer, isn't it? Yeah. 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 
Fucking Christ. Dragonheart 3, The Sorcerer's Curse. Uh, Obviously, 100%. No no critic score. If it did have a critic score for one review, it would be 100%. Common Sense Media gave this one a (laughs) thumbs up. Because there's no swearing and it doesn't do Uh, stuff against Christian values or whatever. For the audience score, Matt, you said 45. As you did for all of the rest of these. I did. <laughs> Jack, Spoiler alert. The thing is, I, I thought, what did I say? And then I remember, yeah, yeah. Jack, you said 42. I did. 44%. Oh, you motherfucker, Matt. Gets this one <laughs> on the audience score. If only we're a price is right rule. Yep. I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine they'll all be 45. 45. <laughs> Like might as well be. I have no fucking idea. I don't think only people reviewing this are the people who see it. I slowly crept up because I thought people might warm back up to the franchise <laughs> at some point. Uh, Dragon Heart Battle for the Heartfire, twenty seventeen. Common Sense Media again gives this one a thumbs up. Oh, That's one hundred percent on critics. One hundred percent best <laughs> franchise ever. Audience score wise, Matt, you stuck with forty five. Jack, you went up to forty seven. I did. You were correct to move in that direction. 49% on oh, the audience yeah. score for this okay. one. brings a lot of gravitas. Yeah. That's, that's definitely the review, right? Love a bit of Patrick Stewart. <laughs> oh, he's great, isn't he? And then finally, 2020's Dragonheart Vengeance. Common Sense Media thumbs <laughs> down to this one. It, it would oh! be a 0% if it... Helena Bonham Carter is too spooky for yeah, my kids. sexual. Uh, audience score wise, Matt, you stuck with 45. Jack, you went That's up to true. 50. I did. Again, you went in the right direction. 55% <laughs> on the audience oh. score. With a, with a grand total of 50 plus people contributing to that audience <laughs> score. Fucking hell. Brilliant. So this was barely seen, or if, if it was seen, people could not be bothered to rate it on uh, Rotten Me? Tomatoes. Wow. But yeah, it was Matt yeah. and people like Matt. Uh, <laughs> Jack, you win that one. The worst cunt. Yeah. Uh, and win, and win, win this this edition of Rotten Tomatoes uh, guessing. The heart yes. of a dragon is truly mine. Or, some, or something like that. God damn. Yeah. God damn. So very much a franchise that hovers right around the middle of the... Everything's 45, 50-ish. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jesus, man. I'll do my best to make it at least as mediocre. <laughs> You're aiming for 100% Worth Just going on audience score there Dragonheart The New Beginning is significantly Lower than every other one Yeah that makes sense Mm. So yeah Not low enough though So I'm going to fix it Um, My fix is called Dragonheart The New Age Okay Okay. That's fine It doesn't have to be anything too exciting there no numbers because just because uh, I'm releasing it, and one would consider a very stupid time. Excellent, 1984, not, <laughs> not not 2016, the stupidest of times, but the best of films. No, I'm releasing this in 2001. And interesting, people interesting. are gonna say, "Why are you doing that, Matt? Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings are coming out that year." It's like exactly, they're both coming out at Christmas. I'm releasing this in the summer, <laughs> so it's gonna be the whole. There's fantasy stuff coming. Oh great, that looks amazing! It's all just dragon. The appetite of the kids. Yeah, let's let's get this. And also, there's no dragons in in uh, Harry Potter or uh, uh, Lord of the Rings at that point. Mm. Um, so that's my that's my logic at that point. Now, my director, because you could do all the kind of like, oh, let's go cool with it. It's like, no, the the, the idea <laughs> in my head is that <laughs> let's do something good. Nah, 
nah. No, my <laughs> idea in my head is that the studio is like, there's all this stuff coming out from New Line Cinema uh, and Warner Brothers. We're going to need something to, to also cap in on this stuff. Mm. We have something. We have this Dragonheart film in the same way they did in 2015 and 17 and 2020. Who was, who was the studio behind this? Was it, it was Universal, but I'm not sure. It was originally Universal. Whether it still is, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, it's Universal Pictures. Yeah. 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 Oh, there you go. And so subsequently, um, it's like we we're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna capitalize on it. We might as well. And we know that happens all the times with studio. It's not an unusual thing to do. I'm also gonna say they've gone. Fuck it. Let's go big. There's a Dungeons and Dragons movie. There's a Lord of the Rings movie. There's this Harry Potter thing. We've already got the base there because we're in the best position because we have this thing that made double its money back and got us an Oscar nod. Let's put the money into it and do a proper film. So rather than doing a DVD, straight DVD piece of shit, they've actually invested in this film. That's how I'm seeing this thing, which hopefully will explain stuff. That being said, you still need, a, in their eyes, a safe pair of hands, but not, not so safe like Ron Howard. <laughs> so the safe pair of hands in this case is Roger Spotswood. Who? Roger Spot, Roger Name Spotswood. rings a bell, but I could not tell you a single yeah. thing that he's directed. Yeah. Roger Spotswood is a Canadian director. He uh, did a handful of things, and arguably not a lot of it is worth mentioning. But he did Turner and Hooch. You know, Tom Hanks. Right. Um, Good old Tom Hanks, we mentioned earlier. Tomorrow Never Dies with uh, oh, Pierce Brosnan. Okay, yeah. Hey! And he did The Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I'm like, Holy oh, look, shit. it's all the traitor. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's got action he's got visual effects he's got dynamic acting stuff and he goes on to do uh, a street cat named bob so he's got that thing later with the with nice little simple grounded drama stuff he's just a very capable functional studio director basically so that yeah he'd he'd be the kind of name you'd see attached to a film go who it's like he did a bond film oh cool cool yeah that'd be great job done easy returning cast archive footage only mm. oh interesting so you're not you know getting Harry Van Gorkum as Bowen, but in a bad beard. No, bold not this choice, time. Matthew. Bold choice. Ah, I know that's me. Uh before we get to the new cast, I'm putting the new crew. We're bringing in VFX by Dean Wright and Secret Labs, who worked on Titanic, go on to do Rain of Fire, and a couple of Lord of the Rings films. So the dragons are going to look good, like ahead of their time. Good, like oh shit, this is actually surprisingly decent. It's like yes, because we want to make the we want. The way I'm seeing it is universal. Like, look, there's going to be huge fantasy elements at the Oscars. We want to be the ones who win it this year. Mm. So I'm seeing this whole thing as a studio pissing contest, which is how a lot of these things end up getting funded. And the result is, hopefully, we get a half decent film out of it. That's my motivational logic behind a lot of these things. So let's talk about actors and how they can save some of that money. Um, we mentioned about how these things always have one big actor. Um, I kind of uh, don't. Oh, interesting. Kind of do, kind of don't. In the role of King Backler, we have Pip Torrens, oh. um, who is always fucking great. Um, he was in Patriot Games and Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, goes to be a Pride Prejudice Warhorse. He was in Force Awakens. He's uh done a lot of TV stuff. He was in uh The Crown and uh, Preacher. He's got a very distinct voice and presence and. Mm. Very, very tall, overbearing, and British. But yeah, very cool guy. Oh, and he's also the voice in those video games, the Dark Anthology uh, games. Yes. Anyway, as Prince Galleon, we have Jonathan Rhys Myers. Oh, Ooh, okay. nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, he's uh, Irish actor has been Michael Collins, who's been in Titus at this point, goes on to be in Bend It Like Beckham, Alexander, Match Point, Mission Impossible 3, and he goes on TV to play King Henry VIII. He basically is a pretty arsehole. Um, <laughs> Good so, cheekbones. Yes, and guess what he's playing in my movie? A cheekbones, pretty, pretty arsehole. arsehole. <laughs> yeah. uh, the role of Norrit is played by Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, um, I love a bit of Mendo. Mendo at this point has only been in Vertical Limit and lots of other Australian things. He will go on to be Australia, Animal Kingdom, Dark Knight Rises, lots of stuff. But at this point, he's just, you know, a 30, 40-year-old looking motherfucker from Australia. So not English, but you know what? That's fine. Um, didn't stop Mel Gibson, am I right? I Mel Gibson, yeah. In the role of Salwyn, we have Kerry Condon. Uh, Kerry Condon is just about to do Ned Kelly. She's in Rome, the TV series. She's on The Walking Dead, Better Call Saul. She's in uh, Avengers. She's in the Banshees of Inish Erin. Um, she's a really good actor. So this will be like a first role for her kind of thing. And let's face it, Irish actor in film about dragons in the 2000s. Unheard of actor. It's like, well, that makes complete fucking sense. The role of Zeth, again, another actor who goes on to be in lots of stuff, but at this point hadn't really been in anything. Hugh Dancy. Um, oh, yeah. He's about to do Black Hawk Down, King Arthur, Ella Enchanted, and so on and so forth. Uh, most people know him from being in Hannibal, the TV series. Yep. And finally, probably the 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 actor, I guess. Again, strange it was mentioned earlier. Uh, the role of Merrin. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Um, no, Gabriel Byrne. Oh, um, nice. There that, you go. Holy yeah. shit. Usual suspects, the man, the Iron Mask, Stigmata, and the days, then goes on to be in Ghost Ship, Salt and Precinct 13, a bunch of other stuff. That will probably be the recognisable actor. Like, oh, oh. But it's mostly British, Australian, Irish people. Yeah, no American. Uh, Hugh Dancy's the only real American presence. He's not American, he's British, is he? I he's think British. he's British. He's British. Yeah, I don't know why I thought he was American for a second there. Yeah. Because he, uh, he does a fantastic American accent. He does, that's probably it. So there you go. Yes. My answer is no Americans. Um, anyway, that's my cast. And that was probably a lot to take in. Doesn't matter. We'll figure out as we go through <laughs> who is who, what is what. I didn't mention who is a dragon, for example. Uh, there's some time skips here that will be a bit confusing. Well, welcome we'll to Dragon to Heart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It feels it feels the thing. So I've I've gone on with this thing of like we're going to make a, a bit of a big fantasy epic, but it's not going to be so ridiculous and over the top that it's unfilmable. Okay. Uh, banking on the goodwill of people and and studios and reviews of fifty percent. <laughs> so there we go. Does that all make sense so far? Yeah, we've set the bar at fifty percent, so. and we're we're aiming for fifty percent. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's fucking roll then. We open in Europe. Um, right, so uh, it's the same medieval, not is it England, isn't it England? But I just say Europe. 100 years or so after the events of the first film, the Ooh. evil King Backler has obsessed over the legend of King Ainan and King Bowen. I established that he was a king. And has spent decades researching, uh, or searching for a dragon to obtain its heart. The most recent raiding party is sent out and smuggled among them is a stable boy named Norrit. Now, two things here. He ain't called Jeff. Um, <laughs> secondly, Norrit is at this point not played by Mendo. It's just a little boy, like eight-year-old boy. He has a strange northern accent <laughs> that Mendo has to impersonate. But yeah, it's he's a, a weird boy. Australian accent for some reason that forces Ben Mendelsohn to really step out of his comfort zone and we'll never understand why. <laughs> so, the kid is excitable and keen to impress and tells his companions how he wants to become a knight like them and serve the old code. And the jaded knights simply laugh, but allow him to tag along. So it's like war-weary, like, 
sure kid right yeah no you can you can come along with us and you'll die anyway fuck it um yes the party arrive at a remote cave in the mountains and investigate norit is separated from the group and finds a sculpture in the shape of a dragon's maw touching it it burns him as it activates are we are we thinking is this like gout of flame coming out or is it that the statue itself is hot uh, it's just hot rock isn't it <laughs> one of them hot rocks. don't worry it makes it yeah it's it's hot rock you'll, you'll see why in a minute okay the cave begins to shake, and the knights storm in to see a fine jet of fire shoot into the sky. There you go. There we go. The earthquake becomes more severe, and they escape back to the city. Upon arrival, they see that the earthquake has caused immense damage. Norit is brought before the king, who beats the kid and banishes him. He then explains to his son, a man in his 20s, that this is how you must rule peasants. First things first. His son, you go, oh, the Prince Galleon you mentioned earlier. No. Excellent. Just a fucking actor. Doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> some other guy. Some other British actor that will go on to fame and fortune. Why not? Later that week, several comets are seen in the sky and plummet to Earth. Could it be the dragons returning from space? They, they live in space, folks. One, <laughs> uh, one in particular crashes into King Bacla's castle. The old king watches as the comet cracks and a dragon unfurls. I fucking Yes, it, it is. <laughs> The creature attacks everyone present, incinerating the king, but the prince is taken away to safety. The screen goes to black, and a title card reads, 35 years later. Mm -hmm. So yes, Jack, you are correct. Dragonheart 2, dragons from space. <laughs> space dragons. Jason X goes to space to fight dragons. Oh my god. We're going to up upgrade the dragons with nanites. Yeah, they're all bored now. <laughs> um, Norit has grown up and is out hunting with his teenage daughter, Salwin. Midway through the hunt, they immediately panic and take shelter as a dragon swoops down and eats the deer they were tracking. When it's safe, they head home. On the walk back, Norit tells Salwin stories of the old code, and the audience learn that over the past three decades, dragons have grown in number and continually terrorise the population, but Norit ultimately believes there must be noble dragons like Draco. Um, he also, we, we also learn that Norit was banished after the dragon's arrival, saying he was cursed, and that Samwen's mother died in childbirth, which left his daughter with a birthmark running down her spine. Mm -mm. We are introduced to the city of Bakloran, a walled keep in the mountainside overlooking the ruins of King Bakla's former city. Bells ring out as a raiding party returns. The king, who's the prince that we saw survive the initial attack, has been... So that's the 20-year-old the dude, but like aged up with a big beard and shit. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, he has been mortally wounded in a dragon attack. Prince Galleon demands everyone leave the two alone. The young prince mocks his father and smothers him with a pillow before heading out and proclaiming himself the new king. Bit unnecessary if he's already mortally wounded, but... You've had to stab John Three Smiles as an asshole, and, you know, King Ainani. <laughs> his first proclamation is that every household must surrender every able man to fight in his army and reclaim the land from the dragons. Something we didn't touch on in your in your synopsis of, uh, of, yeah. of Dragonheart A New Beginning is the weird, every peasant has to wear clothes to match their station. Oh, yeah. Only yeah. peasants wear green and knights wear red. And it, what a weird, what a strange bit. How to understand medieval class systems for kids. Yes. I guess, yeah. like literally color coded. It's because everyone looks colors. fucking poor. Yes. So like, well, we don't want to make, we haven't got money to yeah. make really ostentatious and well, like costumes. Like, okay, color code them. Do, do the, the Holy Grail thing. It's like, you know, he's the king because he's yes. not covered in shit. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, much more sensible proclamations in this one. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely, definitely. Knights arrive at Norit's house to demand his service. Samhain tries to fight them off, but Norit is stabbed. Seeing this, Samhain screams until the sound shifts and she starts to breathe fire. What? You're doing a Jurassic what? Park thing where they hybrid the dinosaurs and the people. <laughs> oh my god. This terrifies the knights and they run away. The confused Samhain speaks with her father and he says that she has been blessed with the heart of a dragon. In order to survive, she must seek out a noble dragon. He then dies. Sad music. (laughs) True, Jack. Very true. Uh, The knights return to King Galleon and report what they've seen. Galleon and his advisors piece together that Norit was the banished boy who sent the signal that summoned the dragons. King changes his orders and tells his army to find the girl. We see various examples of Salwyn cautiously making her way across the land before she accidentally comes across a young dragon while trying to steal a pig from a farm. Classic medieval japes, stealing a pig. (laughs) The young dragon introduces himself as Zeth, and both brag about their supposed grandiosity. Lots of, I have slayed many dragons, and I have consumed countless of your kind, before both their bellies growl, and they agree to steal the pig and share it. Over dinner, Salwyn explains the story of her family and her blessing slash curse but Zeth doesn't believe her. Upon demonstrating her ability, Zeth speaks of a prophecy, the Brennan, a sacred commander to dragonkind who will lead them to a great and lasting peace. Zeth agrees to take Salwyn to the noblest dragon that he knows. Bit of boring etymological stuff for you here. Uh, Brennan is an old Irish term for king, and Brennan in uh, German means burn. So, you know. Ah. Yeah. Nice. King Galleon goes over his grandfather's old journals and reads up about the history of Ainan and Bowen. He muses that maybe killing all the dragons isn't the answer. He just needs to share his heart with one to rule over both men and dragon alike. His search party return with a fledgling dragon and Galleon interrogates it. It explains that it's true a dragon can share its heart with a human, but it has to be given. Galleon says he begs to differ and has the dragon killed. God, he is a piece of shit. He then screams at his physicians to immediately cut out part of its heart and put it in his chest. Just casually slip, slip me open, stick it in. The servants reluctantly obey. Yeah, we don't ever talk about this in these, these dragon heart films, about there's like some sort of complicated surgery. Nah, just cut up it out and stick it in your side. You know, you know what, what was really easy? Medieval surgery. Yeah. So advanced. Trepanning yeah. and all that shit. Exactly. Um, Samwen and Zeth arrive at a deep forest clearing where they speak with an unseen council of dragons unseen so we can save on that budget uh they snarl and threaten zeth the voices of like you know ants in the wood kind of thing um Salwen then learns that zeth isn't in the dragon's favor and is a misfit who was also banished for his recklessness and interest in humans Salwen says this was a mistake and runs off the dragons give chase but she is extremely good at hiding again mostly just sound design and you can't really see a lot of them because yeah same on the budget bit zeth is heavily scolded saying that if the humans learned of their meeting place it could lead to many deaths. Coming out of hiding, Salwyn is kidnapped by King Galleon's men. Zeth sees this and tries to stop the knights, but narrowly avoids being harpooned. Salwyn is brought before Galleon, who is very sickly looking. He says he has told his men that if anything happens to him, they are to kill everyone in the city. Knowing that Salwyn likely lives by the old code, she will not attack him. The old code the is old back. Code. The old code. The two discuss dragons and their own respective bloodlines and place in the world. Galleon demands to know how Salwyn can conjure fire, but she doesn't know. Despite being fairly weak, 
Galleon strikes at the young woman with his sword, revealing the mark on her back. He marvels at what is clearly dragon skin and assumes that when Norrit touched the structure, he must have been infected by dragon blood, which has been passed down to Salwyn. He then declares she will be his bride and they will have mighty children. Oh, good. Zeth returns to the forest and passionately tells the other dragons they must help Salwyn, that she is the Brennan. We learn that the dragons were originally from Earth, interesting, and were forced to leave in large numbers when humans started to develop weapons. So they built the little spaceships and flew away to the stars. <laughs> I will find him! <laughs> <laughs> ah, the little um, Kryptonian dildos. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah off in the constellation. Exactly. The, the, the phallic constellation. <laughs> it was only when the signal was activated that they were brought back. Zeth believes it was the line of the Brennan that summoned them and that she is in danger. Zeth demands that the dragons save her. An elder dragon, Merrin, steps out of the shadows, uh-oh, budget time, and says he believes the tale. They were only in Selwyn's presence for a short time, but she was clearly very special. After a lot of murmuring, Merrin shouts out that dragons do not debate, they do not cower, they rise. And with this, we see scores of dragons, uh-oh, more budget, ac- yep. above the tree line, heading for Baclaran. It's nighttime and mostly in silhouette, so it looks cool rather than a CG nightmare. <laughs> yep. Good taking idea, Matthew. From, uh, taking cues from Rain of Fire. Yeah, weirdly enough, yeah. Galleon brings Samwen out and declares her queen. The army are initially confused, but reluctantly bow. The king splutters and explains the dragon's heart beats in his chest and he is unstoppable. Samwen says that it looks like he's in fact dying. Hmm. Uh, whatever it is in his chest is dead and infecting him. Uh, Galleon, insulted, goes to hit Samwen but a horn sounds out and the flock of dragons arrive and attack the city. In the chaos, Salwyn is able to escape and arm herself. I definitely thought when a horn comes out, it's going to be like, and a horn erupts and stabs him. (laughs) (laughs) She grows a horn from her head and gores him. Galleon, insulted, goes to hit Salwyn, but a horn juts out of her head and she (laughs) murders him. She gores him to death. She has a tail with a hand on it and it just flips him off. (laughs) Again, for the outtakes, everybody. Yep. A fight breaks out between the dragons and knights, and several people are killed. You would imagine. Um, You'd hope so. Zeth swoops in to find Salwyn. Seeing her, he glides over, but is struck by a harpoon launched by Galleon. Zeth limps as Galleon reloads. The elder dragons watch as Salwyn stands in front of Zeth, shielding him from the next bolt. Galleon sneers and says, So be it. I shall rule alone. But Salwyn screams and incinerates the king. Galleon initially laughs, believing himself immune, before he is consumed by flames <laughs> and falls off the high wall to his death. I'm feeling very like Indiana Jones villain death kind of thing there. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Uh, this act stuns everyone present and the fighting stops. Uh, they're trying to do the like almost Targaryen thing of like a Targaryen cannot be burnt by a dragon's flame. Mm. Like, I have the heart of a dragon. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah, exactly yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nice. Samwen tends to the injured Zeth, but Merrin appears and says they will care for him. Samwen orders the physicians to assist, and they respond with a, Yes, my queen. In the stillness, a lone knight lets his sword fall and kneels before Samwen. The other knights follow suit before the dragons imitate the custom. Lots of like. You bow to no man moments where like they all <laughs> yeah. bow and stuff. Salwen turns to Zeth, a little confused, but he simply smiles. It's a hideous CGI smile. <laughs> um, a title card reads one year later, because, you know, time jumping. 
The original ruined city is in repair, with the Smith's forges being lit by dragons. So this is the actual city of um, the original one from the Starks, the one that uh, the, the, the king sets up after the initial attack is a separate thing and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So yeah, they've gone back to the initial, initial city. This new society has a lot of promise. From atop the mountain, Merrin looks down on the city and comments on the Brennan going out to forge alliances with other dragon clans and realms of men. Another elder dragon says this will be a golden age, but Merrin fears humans cannot be trusted, and when the Brennan dies, peace may die with them. But that is a fear for another day. As Merrin's words echo out, we see Salwyn flying atop Zeth over the sea with land in sight. The end. Interesting. Very interesting. I love that you actually did dragons from space. Dragons come <laughs> from space. Except, um, except twist. They come from Earth. They just went to space. But they're from Earth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's much better than a new beginning, needless to say. I really like how you kind of have that. Like we said, you, you get the tone and the kind of humor and stuff like that and the balance just from us reading this. I hope you did too, listeners. I know Tim and I were commenting as we were reading, like you get the, the kind of vibes you're going for just from reading the pitch. Mm. And I really like the kind of sniveling bad guy and then actually being able to get humans and dragons to kind of work together and and all that kind of stuff and that works really well i am interested like nobody seems to freak out that much about the dragons so like hey, so you you briefly mentioned draco like oh and they tell the stories of draco and all that kind of stuff they believe they used to be noble dragons and blah 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 i guess he's passed into like myth and legend now right like well dragons have only been dead for a hundred years at this point when the other dragons rock up again uh, so it's... star wars matthew everybody forgets about the jedi in like <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes but this isn't shite writing um <laughs> no in, in the, if you've got like a king arthur avalon old code that's been living forever i feel like the dragons be... but the, you do get that sort of almost cynicism of like oh i know how that works because mm. i've read up this manuscript it's like yeah but do you have any idea how it works and the dragon's like oh no yeah if it's given willingly, nah, fuck that, mate. I can just take it. So nobody, I mean, people are shocked because initially when they return, we have the dragons, uh, basically it's an assault. It's, a, it's an unintended attack. And the dragons coming back is almost like an animal out of a cage. Like, what the fuck is happening? Oh God, everybody's armed. Fuck. Yeah. This is not safe at all. We're incredibly mistaken. And it becomes a hostility thing. It's like two opposing forces being separated for years and then coming back again. Uh, and lots of miscommunication and misunderstanding certain things and blah, 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 blah. Cool. That helps. Yeah, yeah, that does help. Yeah, no, I th I, th I think it, it, it works really well. I think you've got an... In I like, I really like the kind of the twist of like, no, if you force a dragon to give you its heart, then it's this weird infection thing that doesn't make you stronger. It, in fact, kind of poisons you. And I can see Jonathan Reese Myers kind of, maybe doing a bit of scenery chewing. You know, he was the Henry oh, yeah. VIII in that Tudor series. I can see him chewing up the scenery a little uh, in, a, in a kind of like a, an ailing king sort of way. Um, <clears throat> again, weirdly reminds me of um, uh, how Paddy Constantine is in uh, House of the Dragon, where we kind of oh, see yeah, his yeah. performance yeah. of him slowly kind of uh, growing more and more real and kind of falling apart uh, a little bit like that. Um, well, there's an interesting thing I wanted to put in here specifically because it, it made a rod for my own back, but intentionally so. So, for example, you've got King Bacala being a cruel piece of shit. So we've got the the classic childlike logic of oh, bad parent equals bad child. Not you know, but that's how it kind of works in this sort of uh, analog uh, analogous tales. Um, 
That being said, I didn't want this new prince to be someone who actually was in any way connected to anything. So rather than being the prince being the son of the dead king, who's like, well, I hate dragons and I hate everything because I saw my father die. It's like, no, 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 no. This is the spoiled rich kid grandchild mm. who's just like, nah, fuck it. And he didn't pay attention. He doesn't care about old code stuff. So him and his loose understanding of the old ways is why he's like, oh yeah, I'll kill the dragon and take his heart. It's like, he has to have half of the heart and you have mm. half of the heart mm -hmm. and he has to be alive. Nah, 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 nah. I'm not going to read the instructions. Fuck that. Whereas because Norit's a kid who's grown up in that environment, he has a real passion to aspire to be that and he passes it down to his daughter but obviously being an older kid and therefore an older man and yada, 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 yada. So um, wanted to have this uh, separation of kind of time up what Jack was saying about the whole people are surprised. It's like, people understand it but in the same way people think they understand how it was like during world war ii it's like yeah but you weren't there what are you talking <laughs> about yeah but my dad told me this it's like okay fine and my grandfather told me this and he's like oh, mm, hang on a minute mm. um <laughs> we have you know that, that sort of thing but obviously a different uh, different context mm. um i think the cast is great i think you've picked some really yeah smart, definitely made some smart choices there i like the kind of amount of uh irish uh representation <laughs> going on there um, no, I, th I think it's a really solid pitch. I'm a little worried about how the breathing fire, Salwin breathing the fire would look. Uh, that's fair. Um, but I also I think don't... if I'm honest with you, that's probably going to be easier to do because it would always be shot from the side. Mm. She just goes, ah, and screams and like <laughs> a pyrotechnic <laughs> result in the background. Yeah. Than the actual dragons themselves. But I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It, it yeah. to look, look half decent. And I think, I think that's. That's the smartest way of like, rather than having her like grow dragon wings or dragon claws or something like that, that makes the most sense in terms of like showing her connection to, you know, and almost being like this kind of human dragon hybrid kind of thing uh, as, as, as the, the, the Brennan. Um, mm. But no, I think, I think, you know, you've, you've picked out some really good VFX crew, so I'm sure they've managed to make it work. Um, uh, and yeah, no, I think um, I can definitely see Gabriel Byrne voicing like an old ancient dragon who is is wise and Hugh Dancy as kind of this young impetuous dragon makes a lot yeah, of sense. Definitely, yeah. One thing I—it's completely wrong for the tone of this film, but I would almost like to see more weird like body horror of the the Brennan transformation, <laughs> like. Maybe not like again, not not appropriate for the tone of this film, for it being a kids' film and stuff. But having a bit more of her, like physically struggling with it, as as well as mentally oh, struggling yeah. with it, because obviously there's the responsibility of being essentially this like chosen one character, being the Brennan, but actually having fire moment, the fire breathing moment, the moment she screams, not only being mentally taxing, but having like a physical toll on her as well, and again, not being so like. It's like the fucking fly or something. And she's just <laughs> turning into this weird, like the thing style thing where a face erupts out of another face or something like that. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that, but having something, I don't know how you do it without being really cheesy is the issue. Like you could, you could go down either like way too body horror and dark or way too cheesy and crap. Mm -hmm. And it would be a very fine line. But I think seeing her like kind of physically embody it and, and, I'm almost like to parallel Galleon and how he's dealing and dying with the dragon heart. Her strength of the dragon is still 
like a physical toll on her human body as she learns to like control her powers. Yeah, I think that's something that we probably see hints of beforehand because mm. obviously the classic thing we could do is just chuck in a dream sequence where she sees like you know the the fucking <laughs> rise of Skywalker thing. It's like oh no, I'm a monster. But I think the way we'd be characterizing her in the early introduction to her character is that again she has this birthmark that she's very conscious of and very covered up, but that people mm. obviously don't talk to her. She also is the reason her mother died in childbirth, so she's carrying that as well. Like, oh, I'm I'm a monster. I already thought that anyway. I'm a freak. And then she's got this whole, I now have this particular ability, and she's very, very, very hesitant to share it, very hesitant to show it off, because she's already got that outsider vibe with her weirdo fucking dad who's banished. Um, and that's why Einan's... Einan? Uh, the Einan substitute, sorry, uh, of um, Galleon is like, oh no, she if she lives by the old co like her dad did, then she's not going to want to hurt anybody couldn't risk anybody it would be it's purely a defense mechanism thing she's going to have uh, to struggle and wrestle with it so i think we could easily put a scene or two in there where she's even maybe she, when she's she's bonding with uh zeth about being an outsider and being rejected and being like no no you don't understand i feel like a freak it's like you look like every other human i've ever seen to me it's like oh, but i've got this and it's mm. like barely anything man and the fact you can do this makes you better than most humans so meh. i'm surprised you're not running around you know conquering this place and it's like no no, no I'm, not, I'm not interested in that and then it's the classic building towards the best monarch is the one or the best ruler or leader is the one who's accidentally dragged there as opposed to someone who seeks it out like yeah. Gally. But I like, the, I like the duality of the physicality of him becoming more decrepit and her uh, leaning into this very positive thing, but in a, in a good and cool way. Like when she like, maybe she unfurls her powers fully, that, that dragon skin grows, but in a very cool pattern rather than just a striped down her back or something. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of thing, like, almost... Again, we keep making Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon references and stuff, but, like, grayscale, like, dragon scales, exactly, almost, like, yeah. spreading mm. across her body and all that kind of stuff, but, again, not in a fly, gross kind of way. I mean, I, I, mm. I feel like the obvious thing to do would... Uh, but, again, this could verge into the cheesy... Depending on how, how it's done, it's to do something with the eyes, maybe, of, like, mm. having her That's eyes go, point. like, kind of... The reptilian or, or glowing or something along those lines mm, uh i like that that then mark her as as something but that's just off the top well of no i i think that's a nice touch and i think you're right it, it, there's a fine line between fucking that up and and looking look cool mm. i think that's entirely possible that's, to do I that's, think that's why you get good production designers and good makeup artists and good visual Absolutely. effects people yeah definitely yeah. there we go i i also think this would be a really interesting counterpoint to the other stuff coming out in 2001 yeah. um yeah yeah where it's it's a bit more mature it's a female main character a protagonist um compared to your, your lord of the rings and your harry potters um yeah see it, i would think they're gonna end up, if i'm being very arrogant and bold hello um <laughs> that if it was the one that pipped just before this stuff comes out then you were able to go, hang on, we've got the Lord of the Rings, we've got Harry Potter, we've got this Dragonheart thing. You have kids who would like all that shit. Mm. And the ones would be like, well, we've got, you know, Lord of the Rings is going to be these two other films coming out. They're being shot back to back. Of course, there's more Harry Potter stuff. And it's like, well, the Dragonheart thing is going to be her adventures across the globe trying to find other dragons. Other things like, well, yeah, we're of course we're going to do another sequel to this one. And it will almost work as a, as a, a reboot in a way. You wouldn't have had to seen the original Dragonheart. Mm. You'd be able to have seen this one as a, as a fresh jumping on point. And one of the things that the Lord of the Rings at that point and uh, uh, 
Harry Potter at that point did not have was dragons. So although Lord of the Rings eventually has flying Nazgul and mm. Lord of the Rings, uh, sorry, and, and Harry Potter has the trials during the Goblet of Fire with dragons, everyone be like, yeah, I saw better ones in Dragonheart. That you know that kind of stupid logic. Of like, <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, there's there's dragons in Harry Potter. I think there are dragons in the first. Book. I don't. I can't but, remember if they oh, include them in the th- film. There's the little baby one that hatches out yeah, of an egg. Yeah. Sorry, yes, yes. But, yeah. uh, they they don't have the connection. They're not as focused on as they are in this film. Obviously. Precisely. So I think yeah, it, it it does stand out as some a, a unique selling point. I mean, that's I have never read or seen Aragon, but I feel like that's very dragon heavy as well as being true. Uh, it basically is yes. Star Wars, but uh, with fantasy tropes. Um, it is. It is they, yes. when, did they, when did they adapt that? Was that 2006, 2006 in the cinema? 2005. Yep. So, yeah, yep. something yep. like that. So yeah, this would yeah. this would predate that considerably. And um, yeah. yeah, cool, cool. Well done, Matthew. Much better than a new beginning, to say the least. Listeners, let us know your thoughts. I don't know if there's some diehard Dragonheart fans out there. I'm sure there are. We always seem to find them somehow. <laughs> That's true. They always seem to gravitate towards us. So if you have any strong opinions about Dragonheart, whether that be the entire franchise for some reason or matt's pitch please do let us know you can contact us on all the usual social media places twitter while it's still existing we are at sequelizers instagram we are also sequelizers we've not set up a uh a blue ski or a mastodon yet or anything like that but maybe we'll have to who knows with the future of twitter because that's mean, kind of our main platform i feel i feel like we've got a good alternative in our discord i feel like that's you know mm-hmm. Very much. If we so. were to if we were to retreat to anywhere, that would be our stronghold, our dragon oh, fortress. <laughs> nice. And you can find our Discord by going to sequelizers.com and there's a little Discord button. You hit that, it's a little invite into the server, and that will let you in with more than two hundred other fine folks who listen to the show, who have been on the show, including guests like Harley from Fundamentals, who we collaborated with before, Rich from Unequal Sequel, M from Verbal Diorama, plenty of other well known podcasting people there in the discord as well as all the eps and vips and the three of us as well it's basically the quickest way to do we kind of have like an after show discussion when the podcast comes out on the patreon and when it comes out again on the tuesday so you can basically discuss what you liked what you didn't like and kind of have a little post show discussion in the discord there it's a lot of fun and we cover all sorts of topics that are not sequelizer so i know quite a few people say oh, i'm not really a movie person still blows my mind that you listen to the show thank you for listening (laughs) but there's plenty of other stuff whether you want to talk about sports or video games or parenting or politics or tech or whatever it is there's plenty of other channels in there to talk about a variety of different topics and as we've said many times before it's a very very cool community of people they're all very welcoming and very funny some of them are stupid and take the piss a lot but we love them nonetheless thank you discord for being being lovely lovely folks if you want to contact me on social media, I am JLW Chambers on pretty much everything. Matt, how can they find you on the internet? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, uh, on all the social medias. Um, you can go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make. You can go to the red right hand at code.uk to read my reviews. Uh, also do a sumo wrestling podcast. You can follow at sumo drop pod on Twitter. Uh, not this bar show, which literally started today. Because again, COVID, recording another fucking podcast. My wife has still got COVID while I'm getting over it. So not practical, but we'll be back in January. Tim, if I wanted to have a piece of your heart to ensure my longevity and an northern accent, 
Where could I go to find out if you are a pure person or a filth beast? Uh, come find me at trivia underscore lad on Twitter, uh, which until it collapses. Uh, and uh, if if I judge you worthy, I shall lift up my flaps and grant you a piece of my heart. <laughs> you heard it here first, listeners. Tim is lifting up his flaps if you play your cards right. Tim says, "Take a bite." I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you very much for all your support. Like I said, patreon.com slash sequelizers at the top of the show if you'd like to support us monetarily. If you are unable to support us monetarily, times are still fucking mental financially at the moment, let's be honest. You can, of course, support us for free by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice, whether that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. They're the three kind of main ones that are full of reviews and stuff. We very much appreciate you just sharing the podcast around, whether that's social media, word of mouth, all that kind of stuff as well. That would be very, very appreciated. We'll be back next week with... Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty different, but it's still not, not hugely different. And here's a little tease for, the, for those, those of you who know will know. It's our last VIP pick for this season. And then after that, it's the season finale. Oh boy, we got <laughs> we got some we got some big stuff coming up, mm. and some real real pieces of garbage to sequelize. <laughs> but until then, thank you up for listening, and we'll see you next week. Mm.